Hey, Erin, how's it going? Well, first of all, we just were coming off our two weeks for Britney Spears. We have, there's a lot going on. Um, we're coming off our two weeks of Britney Spears, and I want to make one correction because we were all working with the, the, this, the, what, the information we had at the time, but I re-listened to it all, and there's just one thing that pissed me off about myself, so I just want to, like, clarify now. Jamie Lynn Spears is trash. Yes. Yes. And we stood up for her and we were wrong. And so we I just wrong. want to make that very clear. I thought top. about that. Like, after <laughs> it came out how trash she was, I uh-huh. was like, oh my God, I need to correct that. So I'm glad that you you opened that for me. Yeah. Thank you. I re-listened to it and I was like, I literally wrote it down. Like, I have to put on the, I have to say on the show that we know that Jamie Lynn Spears is garbage. Yes. Um, second of all, this week held some exciting news. Um, both Lifetime and Hallmark have dropped their release schedule for um, Christmas. Um, Hallmark is leading the pack at 41 new movies, which will make 42 for the year for them because they did drop one in July. Uh-huh. And um, and Lifetime is coming in at 35 new movies, but they're starting later in the season. and they're So Hallmark's going to come out quick and dirty with a lot of movies and they taper off around Christmas and then Lifetime's going to pick up around November and they're going to play movies like basically all the time. So we'll have a steady stream. I try every year to watch all of them. I have failed every year. I'm convinced this is the year that I'm going to do it. Um, I always get, I drop out around Thanksgiving week because I get busy and I feel like I can never catch up, but I'm going to do my very best this year. Yes. Well, I would like to. So, if you're show keeping you, count, that's 76 movies that I'm going to try to watch. I'd like to show you. You inspired me, and I downloaded the Countdown to Christmas app. Yes. So, um, have you checked off how many you've already watched? Not yet. Because I, years? I no, no, no. Would I you will... like to guess? Would you like to guess the percentage of movies of Christmas movies I've watched over the years? Seventy thousand percent. That's no. that's a real percent. I'm gonna guess a uh, solid sixty four percent. Um, it's a little. It's more like half. Okay. Um, but wh- why don't you guess the percentage of all Hallmark movies I've watched? Oh, I'm gonna say twenty three percent. Fifty four. Oh my god. I know. I was shocked. I was like, really? Because I don't watch any of the non-Christmas movies unless there's a couple that just happen to be on that I like. I do, but I pretty much skip Hallmark movies and mysteries altogether during uh-huh. the year. I only watch it during Christmas, so um, I'm not sure how I got that high of a number, but I'm not mad, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then, of course, um, Miss Candace Cameron Bure had to come and ruin the week with her nonsense on Instagram. I'm not anti-vax. I'm anti-medical freedom. Well, bitch, your medical freedom yeah, puts me at risk. I'm not anti-vax. I'm just anti-vax. Like, right. Honestly, like, of all of the dumb shit that she posted on that post, the one that really pissed me off was the one like, I'm not anti-vax. I'm just pro-diet, exercise, and fruits and vegetables. And I was like, you are perpetuating a fucking 
stereotype that makes me so angry and that one just made me want to punch her in the face and i'm right um it was an instant unfollow for me i've unfollowed her on everything i have no desire to be to keep up with her anymore right and i i generally know that the people who listen to us do not ascribe to that way of thinking but should you Mm -hmm. i i'm sure it doesn't amount to a hill of beans for you but dr sarah is physically fit she keeps a healthy diet and exercise. Like, I'm not going to say I am. Um, she and I were both sick with COVID at the same time and both should have been hospitalized. It was yeah. not good. So um, regardless of how healthy you are on the inside, you're still susceptible. There are plenty of perfectly healthy people that have contracted this illness and died. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty. A 19-year-old that Sarah and I know who played travel baseball healthy like peak of fitness died from this mm-hmm. and that like because it's also a stereotype with other things you know like mental health and other any kind of health issue you know everyone's like oh if you just ate you know um more avocado and amino acids then you'd feel better and i'm like that's not how any of that works no. and so when people ascribe that to, to covid19 it just makes me so mad I just, I was apoplectic. Like, yeah. Honestly, it was like, you yeah. have got to be kidding me. I just can't. So that yeah. was that. I, you know, I was never a huge fan of hers to begin with. And as a person, um, I know she's still in the, going to be in the Hallmark world. Her movies are really bad. And yeah. So, um, oh, again, well. like we, we realized we peached, we reached peak awful last year when she did a press tour about how it wasn't going to be quite that bad. Like, you know it was like well it's all downhill from here um i mean honestly a shoe addict's christmas and that was two years ago yeah and then she did this one that was the wizard of oh yeah huh well it's really bad to um you know to really joltingly change directions here aaron yeah i realized while we were recording our patreon episode we just recorded um Mm -hmm. just how old i've gotten that I brought in my own butt pad for my chair today and it's the most wonderful thing I've ever done for myself um so what I'm telling you guys is my new platform for my advanced age that apparently I've hit is treat your butt 2021 um butt pad people if you want to sponsor (laughs) okay so this particular brand has been sponsoring me for a long time. They send me free products all the time for my personal Instagram. So, um, but if they'd like to sponsor Lifetime Sentence, we would not turn that away um, because mm-hmm. my butt has never felt more comfortable and I have not had to pace while we we're recording, which is new because I usually have to pace at least yes. once. You do. Mm-hmm. Well, to pivot back to Christmas, it's going to be a great time. A lot of good movies. Um, we're going to cover at least two. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, I'm very excited. I, you know, Christmas is my, is my jam. Like I decorated the outside of my house for fall today, uh-huh. but I like just know in two weeks, it's going to explode Christmas inside this house. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, I'll have the pumpkins outside and the Christmas tree up on the inside. Well, I mean, I told you I scheduled our Christmas lights to go up October 30th, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I put that, uh, so homework starts October 23rd. Um, Deck the Homework is going to do their 24-hour live stream again. Um, I'm going to have to miss part of it probably because I'm going to have to go to my sister's wedding thing. And so... Um, okay, is she caught up to these episodes be- yet? Because I can come into the reschedule. No. Okay, never mind. No. <laughs> um, I say wedding thing because she's already married. It's just like it's an anniversary party because they got married during COVID. So it's not, I'm not saying wedding thing is like a dismissive term. Right. Like it's just a party for her wedding. Um, it's what would have normally been like a reception, so. but it had to t- take place uh-huh. a year later. Exactly. So um, I have that, but I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can stay up, put up my Christmas tree. Like I normally do watch all the movies, hopefully get to hang out with the deck, the Hallmark guys. They're pretty funny. And um, maybe I'll get to talk to Chris Baloha again this year. That's, that'll be three years running. So basically we're best friends. Right. 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 That's how that works. Obviously. <laughs> Yeah, Chris Palaha and Tyler Hines have both like re reshared my stories on Instagram. So like I'm friends with all of them. They're oh, my buddies. Um, which is our way of saying that um, premiering next week, we are part. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I would say I will say I would love to see some more crossover between Hallmark and Lifetime as the third network put together by the guy that got fired from life or from Hallmark two years ago um, starts to take form. It's going to be more of a very conservative approach. So I assume that Miss Beret will join them. She'll have to disentangle herself from a lot from Hallmark. But, um, um, and so I think there's a lot of opportunity for some more crossover between Lifetime and Hallmark as they both become more progressive. And as y'all do um, keep us in mind, we know you're listening like you always are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because, listen, we want some corporate sponsorships is what we're telling you. <laughs> totally. I would just like to see Allison Hannigan, who was in a Lifetime movie based on a true crime that we covered. Um, uh-huh. Mary Stoffer. I'd love to see her in a Christmas movie. I oh, would camp out absolutely. in front of my TV for that one. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, so. Lifetime. Let's go. <laughs> oh, let's see. We've got to give her something real niche, though. Like, her thing is real mm-hmm. niche she yeah. could be um she could be the star of the lifetime movie that i wrote with you the merry multi-level christmas <laughs> what about the christmas princes oh Remember the two princes charming year? yeah two princes charming yeah oh i will never forget oh god a same-sex royal couple christmas movie i would die the happiest death like i that would be incredible. Make it right? happen a lifetime. Listen, you and I just need to write it, it and be... sell the script a lifetime yes. and then we'll collect the royalties. It the royalties. Two gay guys. Royalties. <laughs> it needs to be two gay guys that both have a sassy girlfriend. Like, um Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll 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 work on that while I'm and, laid up. <laughs> and as the as the script writers, we're going to demand cameo appearances in this film. Totally. At the royal ball in ridiculous costume. Like <laughs> I'm gonna be the, the queen of some ridiculous country and my royal headdress is gonna be absolutely insane. Obviously. Duh. <laughs> my regular headdress is absolutely insane. Like right. forget about <laughs> the one you're currently wearing. Your daytime diadem yeah. is showing, Aaron. My daytime diadem. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, can you tell me about something horrible? I guess. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, this know, is Lifetime just... Sentence, and I'm Paul. Yeah. I'm Erin. Um, this week, I watched The Good Father. At least you got to watch some good acting, is what I can say. Nope. Oh, no, because I love the cast. <laughs> okay. I There was some bad acting, but I think it was, like, some, like, lifetime wink-wink, nudge-nudge bad, bad okay. acting. We'll get to it. So I really enjoyed it. Like, it was interesting because you sent me the trigger warning because this story is kind of close to something I've experienced myself, except uh-huh. there was no murder. So right. um, that's good. Um, so, but then I got into this movie and I was like, this movie is so ridiculous that, like, this isn't even going to bother me. And then it got to where the penny dropped about the one of the bad things he did and I lost my shit. Yeah. I was like, you've got to be kidding me! Like, screaming. <laughs> We'll get there. Don't worry. Um, this week I watched The Good Father. Um, better titles for this movie would have been The Bad Father, The Really Bad Father, The Terrible No Good Very Bad Father. Um, no, no, no. Dad, no. <laughs> okay. So I like better. I like No, 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 Dad, No. It's personally, uh-huh. I bet that's the one that the lowly Lifetime intern presented. And they were yeah. like, you're just an intern. And now they heard you and they're like, fuck, that should have been it. No, he's like, I have to listen to this podcast called Lifetime Sentence. And like, they would love this title. (laughs) Right. We don't care. (laughs) (laughs) We see you, Lifetime Intern. We see you. We we honor you. (laughs) Um, It stars Tom Everett Scott. He plays Martin McNeil. You will know him from that thing you do. He was so hunky in that movie. One of the best movies of, of all, all time. time. Do you remember when they released that single on the radio? So it made it seem like it was yes. an actual biopic. Like I thought that was you brilliant. Doing that thing you do. Okay, sorry. Um, he That's was the first movie where I fell room. in love with Liv Tyler too. Like, oh, oh. Liv Tyler. I fell in love with Liv Tyler in an Aerosmith. Uh, video right the one with alicia silverstone yeah oh yeah yeah um boiler room because i said so and recently like recently as in two or three weeks ago he was in a movie on hallmark movies and mysteries called rise and shine benedict stone he was in he was also in the christmas connection he was in something that surprised me um that hold on let's he's great he's been on more and more like um hallmark stuff i think we're gonna see him again this christmas and that will be exciting um Mm -hmm. he's really he's great i love him so and this is why like when i read you this cast this cast is incredible so when i say like this movie was badly acted i think it was badly acted on purpose like as a nod right and that i found absolutely hysterical so if it wasn't badly acted on purpose please don't burst the bubble right (laughs) Well, just like I said, this is an incredible cast that... Oh, 13 it's Reasons great. Why. I was surprised that he was in yes. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so then we have Anwen O'Driscoll. She plays Lexi or Alexis. Um, we recently covered a movie she was in, Left for Dead, the Ashley Reeves story. Oh, really? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, she played Ashley Reeves. Um, she was also in 
burden of truth. She hasn't done a lot, but she's starting to do some more stuff. So I'm sure we'll see her in some more Lifetime stuff. Okay, good. Um, this is probably the biggest name in this movie, and she has a very small part. Charisma Carpenter. Which surprised me that she has a small part, considering the part that she plays. She plays Michelle McNeil, so Martin's wife. Um, you will know her from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, The Expendables, and Veronica Mars. So, like, not too shabby of a resume she's got right? going on there. And for being the first also, to come public I... about how problematic... Um, I always said the wrong uh, yeah. creator. Oh. Joss Whedon is. Yes, Joss Whedon. Um, so um, we see you so- and we support you, Charisma Carpenter, yeah. and we love you because I always had the hots for her. Like when she left this show, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And I know she went to Angel, but I didn't have time to watch two shows, but I watched Buffy yeah. briefly and then I rewatched the whole thing not too long ago. So my sister's very, very favorite show in the whole wide world is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, she loves it. I have tried to watch it. I've made it through about half the show. I can't, I like, I cannot get through. I cannot get into it the way that I need to. And it, like, hurts me because every so often I try to go back. And I'm like, I'm going to get into it this time. And I just never can. It's just not my bag. And it's a, it sucks because it is a good show. It, I just can't, like... I can't make it one of those shows that I binge watch right. and I want to watch all the time. Um, but anyways, I texted my sister earlier because I was like, I saw Charisma Carpenter in the movie and I was like, God, what? who is that girl? And then you don't see her very much and then she covers her face for reasons we'll see. Right. Um, and then she dies and spoiler alert. And um, <laughs> By the and, way, this is a podcast where we talk about murder, so... <laughs> murder, yeah, weird. Um... And so it wasn't until I looked up IMDb that I was like, oh, my God, I, I know exactly who that is. And I texted my sister, and she was like, duh. <laughs> yeah. So, Anna, when you get to this this uh, episode, you're welcome. Um, and then we have Nicola Correa Demute. Um, she plays Jillian slash Gypsy. She is from Shadowhunters, also Burden of Truth with Anne O'Driscoll, um, The Boys, and a show called Coroner. And finally, we have Alicia Johnston, and she, if I can borrow a term from one of my other favorite podcasts, Obsessed with Disappeared, she's down bitch Aunt Linda. And if you don't listen yes. to Obsessed with Disappeared, you should, um, but if you don't, a down bitch is the person that, like, knows that something horrible happened and does not stop until they uncover the whole thing. And Antlin does a down bitch. She's amazing. We'll get to it. Um, right. She's from The Ice Road, um, Incident in a Ghostland, and Cinderella Man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, like, not a bad resume for any of these people. Now, you are forgetting the most important person who's on every piece of promotional footage or promotional artwork that I saw. Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> don't worry. We'll get there. Cause we'll get there. Just don't don't say who that is. I won't. We'll get there. Because um, I have a question. Okay, good. <laughs> we start out at an award ceremony for Sunday School Teacher of the Year. That's not a thing. Fancy. It's a pretty fancy banquet for what I would assume is a volunteer position at <laughs> church. Do um, they go into what church the, they are? No. 
Okay. Uh, but they're in Utah, so I'm going to guess it's an LDS. Church. Yes, which explains why it's such a big deal. Mm-hmm. The man being honored is a doctor, golf player, veteran, magna cum laude graduate of both medical and law school, and a Sunday school teacher, Dr. Martin McNeil. And then I just wrote, holy shit, this trophy is made out of pasta. I'm not even joking. <laughs> and I took a picture. <laughs> <laughs> that is <coughs> pasta, rotini okay. pasta, and penne. Okay, Aaron, if you and I ever get and a spray painted gold, <laughs> if we ever get a Webby and they present us anything but a pasta trophy, I'm giving it back. Y'all, <laughs> I'm gonna put this in our Discord. If you're not on our Discord, like I'm, like I'm sorry, but. Th- this trophy is made out of pasta. I'm not even joking. <laughs> there is somebody at a props department at Lifetime that had to put together this trophy made out of pasta and spray paint it gold. <laughs> I just can you can you imagine? I think all the time about being a like a prop master for for movies and like you come home from work and you know and your significant other is like so how was work today and you're like well I made a rigatoni trophy and they're like you did a you know what nah well and from and that's why we that and from and that's why we drink used to work for a prop house Uh uh-huh and they talk all the time about all the amazing props that they got to make like while they were like the ego waffle box from Yes, from uh, Stranger Things. Like, uh-huh. th- that kind of stuff. And this is a trophy made out of pasta. And M. Schultz, if you made this trophy, please call me. I have so many questions. <laughs> well, and like... Because on... you know M listens to this podcast, right. obviously. obviously. <laughs> well, like on Office Ladies, you know, they reveal behind the scenes stuff all the time. And they talk about how <laughs> anytime there's a big prop like this, the prop master has to come up with three or four options. And the production yes. team picks... Mm-hmm. So that means there were three or four different Brigatoni trophies, and I want to see those too. (laughs) It's the greatest prop I've ever seen in a Lifetime movie, hands down. We are 23 minutes in, and we've only talked about a pasta trophy, so... I'm not even sorry. It's only downhill from here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He thanks his wife, Michelle, who doesn't seem all that jazzed to be there. Um... When they get home, he says he needs to go to the office and he'll be right back. So he leaves. Okay. Um, we cut to nighttime and he's not back yet. Um, his daughter, Lexi, helps her siblings get ready for bed. She does laundry. Um, all while Michelle uh, forlornly stares out the window. You know, Lexi comes in and she's like, okay, here's all what I did. And her mom turns around and she's like, can you just please never go back to school? <laughs> I so feel bad. <laughs> Um, um, and then she asks, or she confides in Lexi about how she's worried about their, about her dad because he's always disappearing. He's been going to the gym more. He's never home. He's taking late night phone calls and she thinks he's having an affair. Okay. Lexi says it's not possible and reminds her how much, um, Martin loves Michelle um, Michelle asked her to access his phone records and Lexi's like, Mom, you're being super paranoid. Like, it's going to be okay. The next morning, Lexi's doing rounds with her dad because she's in medical school. Um, and he gets a phone call. 
And before he even answers the phone, he says, huh, this is a patient with an emergency. <laughs> okay. Sir, how do you know that? Um, yeah, so here's the thing, is patients shouldn't have your cell phone number. No. Well, and then he answers, so he's like, okay, this is the patient with emergency, I gotta go. He, like, looks at the, the patient that he's seeing, like, in his office, and he's like, you're in great hands with my daughter, the medical student, I'm sure she's gonna be fine. Uh, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> and so he answers the phone that's supposed to be an emergency with, hey... <laughs> Which is how, that's how I hope 911 answers this. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. Um, yeah, so. Hey! <laughs> we have a listener. I don't know if she still listens, but a good friend of mine is a was a 911 dispatcher. Um, so, mm-hmm. Kelby, if you are still listening, please write in your full script that you have to say. Starting from hey, hey. and finishing with, <laughs> all right, girl, have a good day. Just let me know what you say in the in-between, too. No, what he says in the in-between is, <clears throat> well, I'll have to move some things around. And I'm like, what kind of emergency is that? <laughs> it sounds like a sex emergency. <laughs> Listen, we've all had one. I, I, I have a sex emergency on the regular. Um, <laughs> um, so, so Lexi is suspicious. Because she hears all this. And so she downloads her dad's phone records, which I just like to say, having experience in this sort of thing, is much, much harder to actually do than people think it is, and this movie makes it look. It's nearly impossible to get someone's phone records without a subpoena, even if you own the account. Right. Like, if you have a phone on an account with somebody else and they own the account, unless you're a minor... The phone company is not releasing that phone's call log to you. Right. Um, so she takes the records to her mom, and she's highlighted a bunch of calls for, um, from the middle of the night to the same number. <clears throat> Instead of confronting her husband herself, Michelle begs Lexi to do it for her. And I'm like, I don't understand why, but Okay. So they confront Martin, and he's like, oh, my God, I am so flattered that you would think someone would want to have an affair with me. Like, have you seen me? I'm like a gross old man. Perfect. Um, Love it. When Mom drops the phone records and immediately throws Lexi under the bus for getting them for her, (laughs) um, Martin explains it all away, saying that the woman he's been calling, Jillian is a tenant at one of their rental properties and she's a nursing student so that means she can only talk in the middle of the night I guess well yeah duh the mom keeps pressing him about disappearing all the time and he sits down and says look I didn't want to tell you this because I didn't want to burden you and I didn't want you to worry about me but I have foot cancer okay what is foot cancer? He says it's a melanoma on his foot. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> he's 
this guy sucks ass, so I'm going to pretend that he lied and said he had foot cancer. Okay. That I'm, makes me Listen, happier. I'm down um, with it. Melanoma is very serious, but when you're lying about it, you don't really have it. You, I get to say on a podcast that you told everyone you had foot cancer. Um, Did I ever tell you about, like, I'm going to sidetrack you, but this is an interesting story. Did I ever tell you about the girl I went to high school with who told everybody all the time that she had all these rare illnesses and she would bring in like research about these illnesses so one time she said she had this really rare form of ovarian cancer that was like incurable and she had all this paperwork to like show what she had and stuff right and so can i tell you what she has uh uh-huh munchausen yeah well munchausen syndrome yes so um my mom was like you're not allowed to play with her anymore because she's crazy and so mm-hmm. um like maybe three weeks after this non-existent ovarian cancer she came to school she'd been absent for like a week and she came to school and she was still just a wreck and um somebody asked her what was wrong and she was like well my um ex-stepdad broke into my mom's house and shot and killed her and my big sisters on life support and that one was the true story but it was like the girl who cried wolf so none of us believed her like somebody else had to get me the news clipping because she had had all these fake illnesses for so long that this one was the true thing oh my god okay i'm gonna tell a funny story and then we're gonna get back to this movie okay because that is heartbreaking when I was in middle school, I knew a girl that told everyone in the seventh grade that she had to have an abortion because she gave a guy a blowjob and he got her pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why we need comprehensive sex education in the state of Texas. I rest my case. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank God she said that in the seventh grade. Like when you were in the seventh grade, because if she said in the seventh grade now, she'd be thrown straight into prison. Yeah, because <laughs> Greg Abbott doesn't know how sex works, so he clearly no, doesn't. She would go straight to prison, and and also she'd get sued for ten thousand dollars, even though she's a minor. Like, <laughs> They'd be like fifteen thousand because you're a kid. Uh, also, I've been at one more sidetrack because I said the word minor and it reminded me. If you haven't listened to this week's and that's why we drink episode, M refers to minors as in like coal miners, and Christine thinks she's. Or Christine thinks they're referring to minors as in minor children. <laughs> it's the funniest exchange I've ever heard them have. It's so funny. So M is describing coal miners, and Christine thinks they're describing child miners. <laughs> I think you and I have had a similar conversation before. Oh, yeah, we probably have. It's so and M was like, yeah, true crime, you go, you immediately go to minor. I get it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, anyways, if you can't tell, I'm, I love that show. Anyways. <sighs> Goodness. So hey, foot Martin cancer, sorry. Them, yeah. Martin and his foot cancer assure everyone that between everything he does for the family and his job, he'd never even have time to cheat on her. So everything's fine. Oh, good. Dr. Gaslight perfect yeah the next day lexi walks in on martin and her mom dancing in the living room all cutesy so i guess martin's turned on the love bombing (sighs) like a natural born narcissist Um, 
Martin leaves to go to a doctor's appointment, and Lexi's mom announces that she's getting a facelift. Oh, good. She's totally doing it for herself, and definitely not Martin, even though he's the one that suggested it. Right, right. <clears throat> Checks out. Um, Lexi tries to talk her out of it by explaining the risks of having a facelift, um, but she isn't interested, which there's nothing wrong with getting a facelift if you really want one. But, don't but let if you want you one, don't let one. someone else coerce yes. you. Yes. Um, so Michelle goes in for her facelift. While they're in the hospital, Martin prescribes her a shit ton of medication to take home. And I, isn't that like ethically ambiguous? Oh, no, it's not ethically ambiguous. It's just wrong. There's laws about it. Okay, it is illegal. Because I wrote, isn't that not exactly legal? But then I was like, maybe I'm wrong and it's just like an ethical boundary. No, so um, it kind of varies from state to state. Because he didn't didn't do the facelift. So he is prescribing medication for a procedure that he did not perform. So then that is, A, that's a violation of ethics. But B, you can't prescribe like narcotics and things to people in your family. Well, apparently it could back then, because he does. Yep. So, because the opioid epidemic, they've changed a lot of those laws. Sarah was explaining this to me a little bit. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I asked her lots not, of questions. We had a paging Dr. Sarah not last like, night. Not a, not a little bit of narcotics. No. Very many, many, I, many narcotics. I've got a full which, list. I mean, things that even I, as a layperson that knows just enough about pharmacology to get myself into trouble... Um, knows you shouldn't mix. Things that no longer Ever. exist because they were so easy to OD on. Yeah. Ooh, it's bad stuff. Okay, <clears throat> we'll get to it. So, um, the other doctor, the attending physician that performed the surgery is like, do you think she really needs all of this? And Martin's like, what I think is that I know my wife better than you do. Um, that's several thousand red flags. Yeah. So they take her home. She's in a ton of pain because facelifts hurt. Like you're taking your face and like stapling it to a different part of your body. It hurts. Right. It doesn't feel good. You make it sound really Um, appealing and now I have to go out and get one. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Lexi plays calming music for her because she does check like the med log that she and her father are keeping and her mom is maxed out on meds because... At first, Lexi runs over and she's like, here, I'll give you some more medication. And even her mom is like, no, don't, I don't want any, like she, even the patient is like, I don't want any more medication, which at that point you're like, something's wrong. Right. If you're in that much pain and you're like, please God, don't give me another pill. Something's wrong. Um, so Lexi's mom starts to recover finally from this facelift and she's still very suspicious about Martin having an affair. But Martin, or Martin, Lexi's like, don't worry. He really doesn't have time to have an affair. It's totally fine. Um, Lexi finally goes back to medical school. The very next day, the very next day. <clears throat> Say it one more time for emphasis because I missed it. The, the very next day. Thank this you. just infuriates me. She gets out of class and has a missed call or a bunch of missed calls from her dad. She calls him back, and he's like, you have to get on a plane right now. It's your mom. So you get this scene of her running through the building, like, trying to get outside. 
she calls her dad again and she's like okay i'm gonna get on a plane what's going on like tell me everything and he's like she's dead oh good that was that was real easy lexi rushes home and asks what happened um and martin feeds her the following story he tells her this this is unforgivable and we'll get to it. I have feelings about it later. But he tells her that their youngest daughter, I don't know if she's their youngest, one of their daughters, who is very young. We'll get to how young she <clears throat> is a little bit. Okay. She's very young. Found her mother face down in a bathtub. But not like in the bathtub, but over the side of the bathtub. Okay. Like slumped over. He suspects, yes. He okay. suspects that she hit her head on the faucet and then drowned. And I'm not saying that this scenario is absolutely impossible, because nothing's absolutely impossible. But that's an extraordinary amount of coincidences that have to happen for this story to be Right, <clears throat> right. And we'll get to all the coincidences, but because there's more to that, and we'll we'll get there. But for this story to be true, there are a statistically improbable amount of circumstances that would have to be true in order for this story to be correct. Right. Because, spoiler alert, it's not correct. It's wrong. He's lying. Um, so, Martin cries and puts on a good show, and Lexi's like, you can't blame yourself. It's not your fault. Like, you had to take care of the other children. Um, and Lexi asks to see her, so they go to the morgue. Oh my god, I thought someone was there and you were like, Oh, sorry. You're gonna have to start taking your ADHD medication on the weekends. <laughs> if I take it this late, then I won't sleep. I know. Um, okay, so they go to the morgue um, where Lexi cries and is like, I'm sorry. Um, and then something really weird happens and I'm sure you're gonna tell me about it. Because I have questions. The death is ruled natural causes? Yes. I have answers. Several answers. Those faucets come out of nowhere, man. I mean... (laughs) The fuck? Lexi finds her dad going through drawers, ostensibly looking for an address book for a family called the Millers, and we'll get to it. Lexi says she's going to help him look, but instead she finds a prescription for ADD medication in her little sister's name. Martin confirms to her that the medicine is actually for him, which is something I do know is highly illegal. That's illegal. Because that's a controlled substance. First of all, you probably shouldn't be prescribing medication for your own child if you're a doctor. Right. And if you prescribe a controlled substance to your child, because you're a doctor and then it's really for you that's soups not legal that's like jail stuff um so lexi's like hey i'm gonna move back home to help with the kids and martin's like no i'm just gonna hire a nanny okay and he abruptly cut to a woman with a very can-do attitude walking into a police station she introduces herself as linda Michelle's sister. We stand Linda. I don't know how they portray her in the movie. We, we stand Linda. Love 
No, we love Linda. Okay. Linda's a, as I said in the opening, Linda's a down bitch. She is. Oh, that's right. Fan. That's right. We love Linda. She has a package of folders, and she means business. She wants to talk to whoever's handling the case. And then we cut back to Michelle's funeral. Martin gives a eulogy all about himself. Um, that's the best kind of eulogy. You know, Michelle was a great wife to me. I was her loving provider. I Oh, no, he her... doesn't even mention Michelle. Oh, even better. No, he's like, I just... He's like, I just want to talk about how I have been able to persevere through every horrible situation that's ever happened to me in my life here at my wife's funeral. Perfect. Um, he sees a very attractive woman watching him from under a tree and cuts his eulogy short. Lexi talks to her Aunt Linda briefly at the funeral. Linda tries to tell her something about her dad, but Lexi's like, hey, I'm going to have to talk to you about this later. Um, there's so many people here and I have to go say hello. So... Um, later, Lexi and Martin are at home, and Lexi offers again to stay home and take care of the kids, but he insists that no, he's going to find a nanny, and it will all be fine. One morning, Lexi and her dad are walking, and they're approached by the lady from the funeral, who will go on to claim she is not, in fact, the lady from the funeral. Oh, good. Okay. Listen, you don't know me. You've never seen me before, but it was just a coincidence that you think you saw me under a tree at your dead wife's funeral. Um, but listen, yeah. I need to come babysit your kids. I just, God was calling me. Oh, funny you should mention God. Her <laughs> name is Gypsy. And she tells Martin <laughs> that he treated her for a sprained ankle once. And then we get the most ridiculous conversation I may have ever seen. And this is where I put, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but it's funny as shit. Gypsy's talking about how she moved to Nanny for a family, but then they changed plans, so she's in the process of moving back to where they live. And Martin's like, oh! You're a nanny? Uh-oh! <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well... God works in mysterious ways. We soups need a nanny. Like at our house, this is so weird. <laughs> How he all but winks, crazy he all but winks at her. It is the funniest thing. Ever. I'm done with this whole everything. So Martin checks her references. And what do you know? Gypsy is the best nanny that's ever nannied. Does he just talk to his dick? Like he just, yeah. like ring, ring. Hey, penis. Do we? She good? She good? All right. Yeah. Lexi's not super stoked about this arrangement, but a taxi pulls up in the driveway with a pink, with Pink Panther esque music playing in the background, and out <laughs> comes the best nanny that's ever nannied in stilettos. Yes. Yes. Everything about this is pure gold. They they well, straight up made a telenovela for you to watch. They did. Martin and Gypsy are real good at this, like, ruse thing. They're really, really good at it. Good. We'll get to it. Martin tells Lexi to trust him. This is all going to be fine. And so Gypsy moves in. Lexi goes to her and is trying to explain things about the kids' schedules and, like, you know... Like general good big sister stuff? Be... Yeah. 
And Gypsy's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. And she's, like, unpacking all of her lingerie. And I'm like, did you not bring any regular clothes, girl? <laughs> it's just, like, French maid outfit after French maid outfit. Funny story. We don't see her in regular clothes again. Are they all French maid outfits? Just No, but it's all, like, slips and robes and stuff. A nanny in a negligee. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they should have called this movie. <laughs> Nanny and the Negos. <laughs> um, so Lexi's like, hey, since you're going to be driving around my younger siblings, I'm going to need to see your license and insurance. Okay. And so like, Lexi has her shit together is what you're telling me. Yeah. Oh, totally. Lexi is also down, but she's awesome. I'm real mad so that you just Gypsy, took a swig of your wine and I'm like, water bottle. <laughs> um, so yeah, Lexi's like, hey, I'm going to need to see your driver's license and insurance. And at first she's just like, I already settled this with your dad. And she's like, cool. Well, my dad's asleep. And so I'm going to have to like ask to see it too. <laughs> after a small handoff, after a small standoff, Gypsy hands them over. And wouldn't you know, her name's not Gypsy. It's Jillian, the woman from the phone records. Oh. Hmm. As, as I said, they're super good at this sneaking around thing. Like, real good at it. <laughs> Do you think they teach a class um, how to have illicit affairs and not get caught? Um, no. It's the advanced level class. One like, of them is no longer alive. This is a 302 class. It's not even a 101. Yeah. I wrote, I don't know how it's possible for this man to be a doctor and also be so fucking stupid. Oh, um, and he went to law school. Thing. Don't forget that. Did he though? No. Um, she calls her Aunt Linda, who tells her she was able to confirm that Martin doesn't even have cancer. So there's no melanoma on his foot, which is why we're just calling it foot cancer, because that's stupid. Right. Um, so Lexi rushes over to Linda's house and spills all the tea on this Jillian lady living in their house. Linda has tea to spill, too, about how Martin had threatened to kill himself if Michelle didn't marry him. And also, it turns out that Martin's a big, fat con artist who steals people's identities and has a penchant for writing bad checks. Weird! <laughs> sorry we're not even to the part where I was truly triggered I know I know where you were truly triggered <sighs> Linda says she has given Michelle the information but Martin just explained it all away and blamed everything on his childhood Lexi asked why she didn't say anything earlier to her and Linda's just like this is your dad I didn't want to take all of that away from you which I've had very similar conversations. It's very sad. Um, Lexi tries to um, explain everything away again. And so Lexi's like, or so Linda's like, you're just like your mom. You always want to see the best in people. No. So Lexi goes home and confronts her dad about Jillian slash Gypsy. Martin says everyone, anything anyone else tells her is a lie. And Lexi's like, you should go get fucked um her father 
completely changes on a dime and calls her crazy and says if she keeps being this crazy, he'll have to ask her to leave. So she's like, fine, I'm going to go pack my things. And then he's like, if you don't get out of my house right now, I'll have you arrested for trespassing. And I, what the fuck just happened? I have, yeah. like. Uh-huh. Yep. I know that this is possible for a person to do this because I've experienced it. But it's very jarring. Especially yeah. Especially to see play out not as yourself. Um, right. So Lexi goes back to Aunt Linda's and Aunt Linda tells her that she had a check run on Jillian slash Gypsy and she's bad news too. Lexi says she needs to find a way to get back into the house so she calls her dad and apologizes and asks him to call her. Apparently he doesn't call back um, because we just see clips of her leaving more and more messages. Finally he tells her she can come home on one condition that she accept Gypsy. He tells her he lied about Gypsy and the cancer to protect Lexi's mom because he loved her. But he says it's so flat and unaffected it gives me the big ick. Great. So Lexi's like, fine, and she goes home. Uh, Martin is there to greet her with a smile. He says the girls are fine because they have a wonderful nanny now. Lexi goes up to her room to find that it's been given to Gypsy who's lounging on the daybed, filing her nails in a slip and robe. I imagine she's also got one of those, like, Corella DeVille cigarette holders. Mm, no. Gypsy tells her now that she's back, she'll need to be responsible for actually caring for the children. They have another stare down while sinister music plays. Later, Lexi goes upstairs that evening to find her dad crying over her mom. He asked her to clean out all of her mother's things right then. Oh, okay. Um, he's like, oh, thanks. You're my go-to girl. I'm going to go hit the hay on the, ga- on the couch. Be sure it's done by tomorrow. Bye. The next morning, he gets up and says, hey, let's get away. Let's go to Disneyland. I won't even bring Gypsy. And also, like, small, tiny, little, tiny thing I need you to do for me. I need you to take your sister to the Ukraine to visit her biological sister. Because the younger children are all adopted. So he's like, hey, go take your sister to the Ukraine. Drop her off. NBD. She'll be fine. And then bring her passport to me. And then we'll send it back to her before she comes home. Because you know how she loses stuff. Erin, I'm about to scream straight into this microphone. Well, you know what happens. I know what happens. That's not a detail that I came across. I don't know if it's true or not. Like the keeping the passport. That's not a detail I came across. It feels true. Okay, well, the the way that they explain why he kept the passport, it makes sense to me. Okay. We'll get to it. Um... So she meets him in California and gives her dad Olivia's passport. They go to sleep. Lexi and Martin end up having to share a bed. And he gropes her in the middle of the night. Oh, no. He tries to say he thought she was her mother, but Lexi's like, uh, no. And so then, again, like a switch, he changes. He's like, whatever, you're nothing without me. We're a team. Daddy and his little girl. So I threw up and Lexi ran out of the motel. Um, 
Martin packs up the kids in the middle of the night and leaves the motel. In the parking lot, Lexi confronts him again, and they get into a fight. He screams at her about how he's a very sexual person, which, like, gross is a weird thing to talk to your kid about. Like, ew. That's That doesn't justify you also being a... A, a predator? Re- predator of your own child. Like... Gross. <sighs> he tells her that he's still very young and wants to have a full life. And he taught her everything she knows, and now the world is all hers because of him. Lexi screams at him that he's tearing the family apart for his nanny with benefits, and he tells her, (laughs) well, now you'll never see them again. And he leaves her there in the middle of nowhere and just drives away. Oh, my God. She calls her Aunt Linda crying about how he's a monster and she doesn't know what to believe. Aunt Linda says they have to prove that Martin has committed a crime, and so Lexi's like, okay, well, I'm going to report him for sexual assault. This should have been the end of the movie. Um, three right. weeks later... But you and I both know that when she called the police, they were like, did you have to interrupt our bingo game for this bullshit? Yeah, we're gonna get to the police. Three weeks later, Lexi and Linda are speaking with Child Protective Services about trying to get her sisters removed from Martin's care. She says she wants to help, but basically can't. So the social worker's like, love to help ya, can't do it. Um... Aunt Linda tells Lexi, she's like, okay, he raised you. He's this raging, narcissist, crazy person, but he raised you. So start thinking like he thinks. Maybe that will help. Lexi goes back to school and gets a message from her father, like as she's walking into class, that he's decided he just can't take care of the girls anymore. So he's giving them up to for adoption to the Millers. The same Millers? The... the... One that she had to find in the Rolodex or whatever earlier? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those Millers? Yeah. Also, the adopted children? So the one who've already gone through the trauma of being adopted once? From a foreign country. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, Lexi turns on her heel and leaves school again. And I just, what medical school is this? Because, like, clearly Lexi just doesn't need to be in class. They're just like, it's fine. Have a nice time. It's got to be BYU's <laughs> medical school. That's the only one I can imagine because she's so close. But she's not. According to the movie, she's in Nevada. Oh, then I don't know. Because I could never find what she was in, but I didn't look very hard. According to the movie, she's going to medical school in Nevada. Um, I don't know if that's true at all, but, I mean, that's what it says. Um, Lexi drives to the Miller's house and bangs on their door. Nobody answers, and so she goes around to the backyard to look for the everyone. And as she comes back around, her dad's at the door. Lexi tells her father that she wants to raise the kids herself. As it turns out, wouldn't you know, he tells her that Olivia called and wants to stay in the Ukraine. The place she was adopted from. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's, that that checks sense. out. They get into a fight in the front of the Miller's house. He calls her daddy's little girl again, but then in the next breath threatens to destroy her and get her expelled from school. This guy is off his rocker. She accuses him of killing Michelle for the first time. So he calls the cops. Oh, this was insane. He calls the police to report a trespasser. And Lexi's like, whatever, like, I'm leaving. And he was like, oh, never mind, it was just a skunk. And I'm like, that's your daughter, you nasty son of a bitch. God, what a fucking asshole. 
this guy sucks. The worst part is, is um, we're almost an hour into this episode, and because I know the story, we're not. We're probably halfway into the movie. Um, we're a little bit more than halfway because everything that is about to happen happens pretty quickly. Um, okay, but. It, this was a little bit longer than your typical lifetime joint. I think they went at two fifteen instead of a two. Um, so le- as Lexi's leaving the Miller's house, she gets a phone call. It's the police department. They have the toxicology report in Michelle's death. As it turns out, she had way too many drugs in her system, and the the lividity was in the back of her legs, which means she died on her back, not hunched over the side of the bathtub. No. Which any person that listens to enough true crime podcasts and or is in medical school would know. Um, also, there's proof that Martin did not perform CPR, as he had previously stated he did. So they go to the police station to speak with someone. And as you... Okay, guess, so the that's the thing that blows is- my mind. That's the thing that blows my mind, because... When a doctor performs life-saving CPR, it is there is a 95% chance that they will break the person's ribs. How did they not well, catch if that? They perform, if they perform any kind of field CPR on you, there's a 90% right. chance, even if you survive, that they're going to break your, and at least break your sternum. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if they are trying to save your life, like, if it's like, if it is a doctor, they're he is a trained professional, yeah. she would have broken ribs and they just didn't even, like, look for that. And this is the one thing that I'm like, dude, you're a doctor. You know this shit. You couldn't just Pretend. break her rib? Yeah. It's like, you know, when you're watching Forensic Files and you're covered in mozzarella chick- stick sauce and you're like, you fucking idiot. Right. When they leave their, their fingerprints on stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're licking Cheeto dust off your fingers and you're like, I would fucking never. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, break a window or something. God. Okay. <laughs> so the officer at the front desk as you would assume when someone comes in to report a murder takes them very seriously and immediately takes their statements gets with a detective they contact the DA everything goes really smoothly and quickly from here right yeah I thought like that's what my notes say too no wrong um, the officer at the front desk is real sick of seeing her face so naturally Lexi makes a big scene about how the police suck and the district attorney is the worst which is a conjecture on my part but seems to be pretty fucking true um, the Millers agree at least to let Lexi see the girls and so Lexi tells them the story of like what's going on with her father and they agree to let her take the children to live with her but they do warn her that her father is threatening to send all of the children back to the Ukraine. Oh my god. And that the girls had disclosed to the Millers that Olivia didn't actually want to go in the first place. It was her dad's idea. As someone, I've never adopted a child. I've been through it with friends. I mean, your adoption isn't final, but you have a we're actively going through it right now you're actively in the adopt that blows my mind i just i can't i can't um, i can't i'm so attached to your child that if y'all decided like hey we can't do it i'd be like nah it's fine send him to me but like he's mine now but like i could (laughs) never like no, and with, within days of him walking in my house, I was like, I would move literal mountains and take a bullet for this baby. Like, how do you not feel walking that in your house? That child was left on your doorstep. I mean, he was <laughs> poor thing. I love him 
so much. Um, but I just this blows my mind. I can't I, I, I can't even wrap my brain around the fact that you would go through the entire adoption process to adopt a child and then threaten to send them back. Well, and not to make this about money, but it is so expensive to adopt internationally. That too. Like, how are you going to spend that much money and then be like, mm, return to sender? Listen, Gypsy's got that, that good good, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> She's got it. It's it's the um, it's the so negligees, right? That's what you're referring to, and yeah, not totally, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. yeah. Um, so I guess Lexi and Aunt Linda go to visit an attorney and drop some paperwork. So Lexi goes to her dad's house with the paperwork, and Aunt Linda agrees to call the cops if she doesn't come out in fifteen minutes. Oh, and this is the best line in the movie. Um, Gypsy answers the door, and Lexi remarks that it's weird that her dad still needs a nanny when there's no kids living in the house. <laughs> And some writer at Lifetime, some genius, genius writer, put the following words in Gypsy's mouth as some kind of comeback, and I just want to thank them personally. Quote, turns out your father's the big baby who needs taken care of. (laughs) Honey, I don't think that packs the punch you think it does. She looks back at Martin and she's like, Ain't that right, Mr. Pookie Puss? You're so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, Lexi goes inside and her father's getting ready um, in the bathroom. She puts the paperwork on the counter saying he needs to sign it. They're temporary custody papers for the girls. Gypsy also comes into the bathroom to join the chat for reasons, I don't know. Martin signs the papers, but he's like, we're not done here. Um, So Lexi has the girls at her apartment. They're all asleep. She's studying, and there's a shadow outside. Um, One of the girls wakes up screaming from a nightmare, and this is a thing that they talk about, like, throughout the movie. She has, like, ongoing nightmares from her time as an orphan in the Ukraine, you know, before she was adopted and brought to America to live. But it turns out the real nightmare is Martin outside with his face pressed against the window. The screaming. fuck! He goes on and on for a while and then finally leaves when Lexi threatens to call the police. So she takes the kids and takes them to a motel so they can sleep. Um, she sets up a recording thing on her computer to record her school notes. Because, you know, some people are more, like... Uh-huh. audio like learners right um um and so she's like she's talking about like doctor stuff she's you know doing her school notes and suddenly or her phone rings and it's her dad but she sends it to voicemail but suddenly it dawns on her that you can record lots of stuff yeah there we go so she so she calls her dad back he apologizes for coming to her apartment and she's like hey you really scared the kids And he's like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Like, do you really think I killed your mom? And she's like, no. Grief makes your mind play weird tricks on you. And then she's like, like that night at the motel when you totally groped me. That was just grief, right? And he's like, yeah, totally. Like, I know know what I did was wrong. And I'm so sorry for molesting you, my child. But you forgive me, right? And so she turns off the recording and hangs up the phone. 
She turns this over to the police and then goes back to school. She's coming back out of class one day to find her Aunt Linda in the hallway, who tells her that the recording isn't enough and the DA will not be pursuing sexual assault charges against him. And it's just so weird why more women don't report assault. I can't figure it out. I don't know why you're so upset, Aaron, because how was he supposed to know that she wasn't talking to herself, putting on two completely different voices, admitting to a crime that he didn't commit for him? It just seems like you're expecting her to not be a Hollywood grade voice actress and a medical student all at the same time. What is wrong with you? You're the problem. It's like you channeled Greg Abbott directly. <laughs> Listen, I'm working on getting rid of rape. If I don't see it, it doesn't happen. And so Texas is rape free. That's right. That's right. No more rape in Texas. You know, pretty soon it's going to be illegal to accuse someone of rape because he already eradicated the rape. Right. Exactly. That's where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have your red so handmade just... outfit picked out or do they, is that state issued? Fuck no, I'm leaving here. Also, I'm not a hand. I'm like, I'm having a hysterectomy in five that's, days. I'm not going to be a hand. <laughs> they, don't, they don't have much use for you. Uh, we have a guest no. room. Just let me know when you're moving in. Thank you. Thank you. So they decide to fight for permanent custody of the girls, which should be easier now that Martin, he does. So they, they filed the charge. They declined to file the charge, but did it in such a way that it could be brought up again if they wanted to. Okay. And I forget the legal term for it. Um, so Lexi and Linda decide to fight for permanent custody of the kids, which should be easier now because the the the, cre- the threat against him that was reported was deemed credible. Um, so we cut to an unknown diner and unknown characters, and this movie does this, I think, on purpose several times where they just, I think they're switching to an entirely different movie, but <laughs> it's the same movie. <laughs> Um, a super hot guy walks into a um, into a diner to talk to an older man who's eating at the counter, and he's like, "Hey, I have a case for you." And the the older man's like, um, "Aren't I retired now? Like, shit. Like, let me drink my coffee in peace." Right. So the hot guy the hot guy I guess is a detective, and he's like, "Hey, like, this lady died of completely natural causes. You know, blow to the head. Nature be crazy. You know, and." But her family won't stop bothering us about pesky facts and that she was actually murdered. I don't know. Can you look at this and see if there's anything to it? And then he, like, leaves. He's like, his, this woman's daughters are on their periods, and um, they're all hysterical. So the can you just look into they've this? They've been on their periods for years. Like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> um, so Lexi gets named the official guardian of the children. So yay for that. Um Aunt Linda is like she's at with Aunt Linda's house and you know all the kids are playing in the backyard everybody's happy and Lexi or Aunt Linda tells Lexi that Michelle's looking down on her with pride and Lexi says I just wish I wasn't constantly looking over my shoulder oh poor just thing just the phone rings the phone rings but it's not bad news it's Olivia like they found Olivia and she wants to come home okay so in order to do that they have to go to Martin's house to retrieve her passport oh great so they go over there he's laying in a in a pool chair <sighs> gypsy is wearing a swimsuit a hat larger than the state of texas and a sarong and she's perfectly arched by the swimming pool kicking her feet in the water 
It's, it's is she art. like is she like channeling Meredith Blake? Because like, girl, that was already done. The way they the way they play this woman is high art. It's amazing. Um, so Martin's like, oh well, I lost that passport, and um, Linda's like, cool. I'm sure the adoption agency you went through to adopt these children would love to hear about how you left your daughter in the Ukraine and lost her passport. So he's like, okay, fine, and he goes and gets the passport. <laughs> He's like, I'm fucking smarter than you, Linda. God damn it. Damn it. Foiled again. Um, Who gave this woman a brain? The the man at the diner picks up the file and is suddenly very interested. He's out of coffee and he's out of refills for the day. So, like, what else is he going to do? He calls Lexi and Linda to meet him at this diner. And he says that this case is, quote, unquote, mind-blowing because as it turns out martin lied his way into medical school and into law school no Um, and so he should have his license for both revoked but that's going to take time and they need something concrete to put him in jail while they also work on murder charges because it's very clear that michelle was murdered Right. Okay. Glad someone's listening. And so they're sitting there and they're like, okay, how do we put him in jail? Like, what do we do? And Aunt Linda's like, oh, I might have something here in my magical purse of reasons to put Martin in jail. She shakes out a Mary Poppins bag and it just like spills out forever. She's like, it's it. It's in here somewhere. No, that's a, that's a receipt from the group. No. Uh, oh, here it is. Um, oh. I'm about to lose my shit. Hold on. Okay. Aunt Linda is applying for custody of Olivia because I I think the reasoning is that Lexi already has custody of three children and she's going to medical school, so Linda's going to take this other child so they can keep them together, but also not overwhelm Lexi. Right. That's what I would assume. Because it um, kind of sounds like Aunt Linda's really taking custody of all of them. It was just easiest for Lexi to get them, and Lexi moved in with Aunt Linda. Yes. Yeah. So she's applying for custody of Olivia and received an updated copy of Olivia's birth certificate. Funny thing. Martin had applied to change Olivia's birth certificate to be in the name of Jillian. He shipped his adopted daughter back to the Ukraine and then stole her, her identity for his mistress so that she could, like, run away from her debts. And, Aaron, how does that make you feel? Shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> I just wanted you to go. I just wanted to give you free raid. Yeah. I have no words. When I read about this and the texted is, you... when when this similar scenario happened to me i was an adult uh-huh this is a child uh-huh she can't be more than 10 years old no i am when i filled with rage when i read about this and texted you last oh night like God. i read it and i was like sarah i have to text aaron and she was like what i was like i I said, I never text Aaron trigger warnings. Like, I never do. Because even when the case is bad, you can handle it. But I was like, this one, she needs a head up, heads up. Like, 
Well, and I'm not big on trigger warnings because I'm like, you as a person are responsible for navigating your own triggers. Right. My own thing. Right. And I know that too. And I, and I think also, I think they're very serious. So I know if somebody, if somebody texts me a trigger warning, I, I know that it's serious. Right. And so like, I know much of your life. I know the things you've been through. I know when something <gasps> it would be normally triggering to somebody else. Even if you've been through it, it usually won't trigger you the way that I knew this would. And I was like, Erin needs a heads up before she goes into this one. Well, I'm heated. <laughs> um, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, I People like this are disgusting people that would do it to their child in general but people that would do it to a child that is a young child an adopted child a child that you sent to another country so that you could do this like what the fuck is wrong with you so it just i mean not not to excuse i'm not excusing it shows how deep his depravity and mental illness runs that was untreated and unchecked for so long that it did not even occur to him that this was this was I feel like this I don't know I'm I'm not saying it's more inhumane than killing his wife but it is on a whole new plane it's really fucked up yeah I you know and I almost described this in the the top where I almost said we're gonna get to the worst thing he does and I'm like well okay the worst thing he does is kill his wife but this is so diabolical. It's so awful. I, I, I just, where do you come up with this? And I asked this in our group chat earlier this week for other reasons I don't want to discuss, but I asked, this person knows that they're hurting me, right? They, this person knows that what they're saying is hurtful. Right. And it's, it's, a, it's a mixed bag on whether they really do or not, and that's another whole issue, but... The mental ill, like the the mental leaps and bounds you have to be able to take to do something like this is is it's a lot. It's a um, it's astounding how how deep it has to run for you to to jump the way that they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the retired detective on a good note is like this is perfect. I can totally put him in jail for this. I can't put him in jail for a sexual assault. I can't put him in jail for murder. I can't put him in jail for being a fucking weirdo. But identity theft, totally. Like, yes. Like, let's do it. And I understand they needed something, but this country is so fucked up. Like, yeah. I just can't. Um, so the FBI goes to Martin's house, and they arrest him and Gypsy. Um, they both yell and scream in the driveway. The car with Gypsy pulls away, and Martin sees Lexi. He shouts at her, you did this. And she tells him, well, I learned from the best. <laughs> yes. And he's like, I will get away with this, too. And she's like, I, you, you might. Um, and then he says, she asked him if he ever loved her, but then says it doesn't matter because she finally loves herself enough not to care. And then she says, quote, who else but your little girl could take you down? And she walks away while Martin cries and screams that he did love her and she has to believe that. Three years later, Lexi meets Cal, the retired detective at the diner. Cal tells her that the new coroner has re-reviewed the autopsy and they have changed the cause of death from accidental to uncertain, which means that her father is going to be charged that very day with first degree murder. 
So let's go to court. Um, Lexi testifies while Martin alternates between crying and trying to stare her down. This is a total, this is textbook narcissistic behavior. It's just, it's mirroring what he thinks people want to see from him. Um, Lexi theorizes that Martin put the pills in Michelle's breakfast. Um, I'm pretty sure she's like saying all this on the stand and I'm pretty sure as like as, as, the type of witness she is, this is this would all be speculation and would be thrown out. But it's, yeah. it's a movie. Um, but she gets to the part where, um, so he she theorizes that he put the pill in, pills in Michelle's breakfast. She gets back to the part where he let a six-year-old little girl find her body. Yep. And again, I'm like, this is the worst thing he did, but... He did these three terrible things, or he did more terrible things, but he did these three terrible things, and they're all terrible in different uh-huh. ways. Yeah. That are all equally disgusting. Like, I, this man. Oh, my gosh. Um, except when they find her, she's not dead yet. So Martin drowns her and then calls 911, knowing it would be too late. Oh, my God. The attorney asks asks her why Martin would destroy a life he built so carefully, and she says she doesn't think they'll ever be able to truly understand his sociopathic mind. But she believes that her mom was finally starting to see through him, and she had the power to destroy his public image, so he killed her before she could. And now, the true star of the show has arrived. It's Nancy Grace. Uh, <laughs> I'd forgotten I asked you about her. I was like, what did Linda do? She's she's here for Verdict Watch. And I just want to know how much Nancy Grace gets for appearing in these movies. She's in a lot of these movies, and it's all just copy from her own show. But I'm very... They have to pay her for that. Yeah. I'm the, curious how much they pay her. She makes a shit ton between Lifetime and her Hallmark appearances because she wrote a series that Hallmark turned into a Movies and Mysteries that she's like the secretary of this firm that she shows up in all the time. So weird. So Nancy Grace summarizes what happened so far. Um... Linda and Lexi meet Cal in the courtroom for the verdict. Martin's found guilty. I mean, go rot in a hole, dude. As the final piece de resistance, (laughs) the bailiff grabs Martin by his arm and says, Mr. McNeil. And Martin stands up and says, it's Dr. McNeil. And I was like, my guy. No, it's not. Right. You're not a doctor. (laughs) Um, he stares down Lexi again as he's let out of the courtroom. They lead him down this hallway, and my thought, my initial thought, and we'll get to what happens, was, oh, this guy's going to kill himself in, like, five minutes. Um, Lexi and Linda walk down the stairs like fucking heroes, and Martin goes to jail. Three years later, Lexi brings flowers to her mother's grave on the 10th anniversary of her death. She tells her mom that Martin took his own life in prison, and of course, someone that narcissistic would have to do that in order to be, in order to remain the hero in their own story. Oh, yeah. Really, he's just a coward. He's just a coward. Um, she says, quote, he's with his maker now, and there's no escaping that. And that's the end. Oh, my God. That's an intense. This movie was really good and also laughably bad at the same time, and I actually really liked it. So I think they made a choice, as you told me about it, I think they made a choice to make it laughably bad because this case is so rough otherwise. It's so dark. It's so dark. 
Like they had to make it into kind of soap opera y soap opera y because mm-hmm. they didn't change a whole lot of the truth. So they had to make no. these kind of good actors act terribly to make up for it. This case is dark. And remember I said I was gonna make you vamp? Uh-huh. Go. Okay. So um I was walking in the woods the other day and there was a wolf and I was like, listen, wolf. Um, my favorite color is teal and you can't eat people whose favorite color is teal because there are so few of us. And the wolf was like, dude, why are you even fucking talking to me? I don't really care. And then I realized I wasn't even in the woods. I was still in my bed and that was the alarm clock, not a wolf. (laughs) That was amazing. I'm back. All right. Uh, So (laughs) my sources are Wikipedia, the murder of Michelle McNeil, and then two ABC News articles. Hey, props to Wikipedia for actually using the victim's the, name. Yes. Um, ABC News had one article called Utah Doctor's Life of Lies Unravels After Some of His Children Are Convinced He Murdered Their Mother. And another... Some? Yeah. <laughs> he had a lot of children. Um, tracks. And then... Um, the other article I used, that one didn't have a byline, but the other one I used, Days After Death of Utah Doctor Who Killed Wife, Daughter Opens Up About Decade-Long Nightmare, and that was by um, Emily Shapiro, so that one did have a byline. Um, mm-hmm. So Michelle Marie Summers was born, 1950, was born in 1957 in Concord, California, where she played violin, acted, and was a cheerleader, and she was her school's homecoming queen. She was a straight-A student, and she was well-loved by her peers and by those around her in general. Um, Okay. She was described by her sister, Linda, as, quote, a dream of a big sister. In an interview with ABC News in 2019, Linda said, quote, she was popular. She was athletic. She was great in school. She also loved music. She played the violin. We were all very proud of her. So that's like beautiful that's like the embodiment of only the good die young yeah so um michelle michelle had studied abroad in switzerland she'd worked briefly as a model and she was even miss concord of 1976 she was full of life and was very driven um and she was also an active member in the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints which i will refer to the lds or the the lds church from here on out um yes when Michelle was at a mixer for a mixer event for young LDS singles, she met Martin McNeil. Oh, okay, I just want to point out a mixer for young LDS singles is where Susan Powell met Josh Powell and Michelle met Martin McNeil. So let's just like those events need to be canceled. Yes. No more. Yes. Two deaths is too too many. No more. <laughs> um so so just a brief rundown on this motherfucker because he's the worst and he doesn't get much of my energy oh my god he is the worst martin mcneil was born february 1st 1956 he joined the military in 1973 at the age of 17 but was placed on did he have a choice you can in, se- in 73 it's in 73, I would think that would be like he was drafted to the military, but of course... But like, at some 17... Be like, he joined the military! No, you can be drafted at 17. Can you? Okay. I thought you had to be 18 to be drafted. Um, 
I th- well, I think you have to be 18 to go, but you could be, like, pre-drafted gotcha. drafted at oh. 17. Yeah. Well, either way, he was placed on disability leave for mental health reasons in 1975. He subsequently received oh, veterans benefits for years after that. What? Oh, we'll talk about it. Sorry, that was a lot of tricking. My okay, my grandparents were in the military, and that is despicable. No, thank you. After, I reject that. Yep. After meeting Michelle, they eloped and got married on February twenty first, nineteen seventy eight. Oh, girl, no! And four months into their marriage, Martin served a six month jail sentence for forgery, theft, and fraud. So, well. Put a put a pin in those charges because they're important later. Yeah, I don't need to put a pin in those. <laughs> I, I get it. In the first five years of their marriage, Michelle had given birth to four children. They were really good Mormons, I guess. Her children would go on to say that her family was the most important thing to Michelle. She loved being a mom to a large family. And by the time of her death, Michelle and Martin had adopted four more kids. Three were adopted from Ukraine, um, and then the fourth was actually their own granddaughter. It was who was the daughter of their second-born daughter, Rachel. I think, I, yeah, Rachel. I was like, I wrote her name somewhere. Okay. Um, Interesting. I hate when they describe like a woman, especially after she dies, and they're like, "Oh, her family was the most important thing to her." Like, yeah. Okay. Obviously, my child is the most important thing to me, but that's not my entire personality. Right. I hope, I hope people have more to say about me when I die than that. Um, so through the course of their marriage, Martin attended, bo- Martin attended both law and medical school. Um, he never practiced as an, as an attorney, but he made damn sure that everyone he encountered knew that he was a doctor and a lawyer. So in other words, he was just another mediocre white dude on a power trip. Yep. Um, quote, he walked in the room and sort of took it over. Like, look at me, Linda said. Um, like, he was above everybody. I never liked him. He seemed arrogant to me. He seemed all about himself. Yeah. So, Rachel, who... Okay, so some reports said that she was the oldest, and some reports said she was the second oldest. Um, so, Michelle and Martin's daughter, Rachel... Um, was quoted to say that her father changed exponentially when he turned 50. Quote, he started acting strangely. He became just very obsessed with losing weight and his appearance. He'd go to tanning salons, she said. And that just feels really red flaggy to me. Okay, I mean, anyone that goes to a tanning salon is is red flaggy. Like, don't do it. Um, Well, don't worry. It was also red flaggy to Michelle. So. Okay, good. Michelle began to suspect her husband was having an affair and confronted him about it. So he quickly turned to the attack on her, saying that she was just feeling insecure because she needed a facelift and maybe she should go see his friend who is a plastic surgeon. So, like, what a classy gaslighting asshole. Yeah. Um, Now, this isn't the first time their marriage had shown signs of stress either. In 1994, Martin was accused of having sexual relations with a patient at the BYU health clinic where he worked. Dude, no. He responded to these allegations by threatening to kill himself. According to police reports... Okay, men, men, y'all get a new stick. Like, it's over. The, The... 
it's over. Like, stop doing that. It's so gross. Yep. Um, according to police reports, in August of 2000, Michelle had caught Martin looking at porn, and he respond- responded by grabbing a butcher knife and threatening to kill himself and her. And, like... That seems legit. Is it in that order? Because, like, go ahead. Like... Um... And, you know, that's actually, Aaron, I know you've never been caught jerking off, but that's actually a, a normal reaction to being caught jerking off, is uh, grabbing a butcher knife and threatening to kill everyone in existence. I mean, it would seem if you're <laughs> caught doing that, you probably, like, the last thing you should have in your hand <laughs> is a butcher knife. knife. Those things can get away from you real quick. <laughs> Um, I'm just saying. So, in 2005, just two years before he told her to go get a facelift, Michelle had caught Martin watching porn again, and he once more threatened to kill himself if she didn't leave him alone. Like, and like I said earlier... Oh my god, why can't you be a normal, like, religious man and be like, I'm addicted to porn, it's not my fault, it's God's fault. Right. Um... (sighs) If this isn't a cry for help and an obvious need for treatment, I don't know what is. But that, obviously, like I said earlier, doesn't excuse anything he's done. Um, No, 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 no. It doesn't excuse it. I'm just saying, like, do better. Right. So, in February of 2007, when Michelle confronted Martin multiple times this time about her suspicions that he was having an affair, um, you know, he gaslit her into insecurity. It was later revealed that in the span of 2005 to 2007, Martin had two separate affairs. One with a woman named Anna Osborne Walthall, and another with a woman named Gypsy Willis. So, by this point, the McNeils had come a long way from their humble beginnings of med school and, you know, jail time and law school and, you know, whatever else. Um, They were now living in a gated community. They had eight children. Their children were successful. They were on the track for law school and med school. Um, they were just like that perfect LDS family. They were pillars okay. of the community. You know how much I love that phrase. Oh, I love a good pillar of the community. Nothing ever wrong there. You know, like, we wonder why our whole society is fucking crumbling, but look at all the people we label pillars of the community. It all makes sense. Yeah, it actually does make sense. So in March of 2007, Martin kept trying to sell Michelle the idea of cosmetic surgery Michelle was reluctant, asking to postpone it until she could make sure her high blood pressure was well managed. And she also said she wanted to lose some weight because she thought that would might, might make her feel better too. And that she like wouldn't even need the surgery if she just lost some weight. Um, but Martin pressed her for the surgery and she agreed to a facelift, hoping that it would save her failing marriage. Oh, honey. Martin used a plastic surgeon that he said he trusted, and just before the surgery, he gave the doctor a list of medications that he insisted be prescribed for Michelle. The surgeon was, reluct- the surgeon was reluctant at first um, because he felt these medications should not be taken together, but Mac- McNeil insisted they sh- wouldn't be. In the end, the list of prescriptions Mich- Michelle was diagnosed, uh, I mean, sorry, was prescribed included. Are you ready, Aaron, for this laundry list? Lortab. Okay, I know what that is. Ambien. Valium. Okay, that's our... Okay, so Lortabs are like the old school, like, hydrocodone acetaminophen mix. Yeah, but you could... They no longer exist because people were ODing on Tylenol. 
Right. And so now it's, it's just, it, it's a more finite mix before it was a, like a, a, that was a, it was a more manufactured. It was a Tylenol 500 like, with. Yeah. And so now you get like a, a, a hydrocodone, like five milligram with like a acetaminophen, like three three fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Or a hydrocodone 10 with a, a, a acetaminophen three fifty. But these were more like, these were like hydrocodone, like, 15 they were like 15s and 500 yeah they yeah. were yeah they were so yeah, this was my paging you should Sarah not be taking night. that with ambien at all ever oh yeah so it was lortab ambien valium percocet finagrin and keflex which is an antibiotic okay but percocet and lortabs are basically the same thing they're the same ingredients they're just different medication yeah so one's hydrocodone oh and the other is oxycontin yeah and also, um, okay, fenugreek gets a bad rap, but in my like, I've had stomach problems my entire oh, yeah. life. So, and in my experience, fenugreek, when given to me, now it puts me on my ass. Like so I have to take a fenugreek and like knock out for like eight hours. But it is the only thing that stops my nausea when it's really, really right. Bad. So, Doctor Sarah says that one of these painkillers might have been prescribed fenugrin for sure just in case you're feeling nauseated after a big, nausea from the painkiller right. and then keflex because it's a um antibiotic and you're recovering from a major surgery yeah and you don't need a you don't need a val like a valium as an anti-anxiety or a muscle relaxer in that situation at all right and so even when i had neck surgery i had pain medication and muscle relaxers but I had to take them on alternating schedules because I could not take them together right because I would have been really sick and so I had to be like okay I have to take this every eight hours and this every like 12 hours right and of course out of respect and the eight for hours Dr. and 12 Sarah, hours couldn't mix <laughs> out of respect for Dr. Sarah disclaimer always check with your physician never trust the medical advice given yes, on lifetime please. sentence she is not your doctor oh, and God. she's giving me a rundown at 12 o'clock at night saying can i please fucking go to sleep <laughs> yeah she's not your doctor neither of us are doctors at all so definitely don't take medical advice that we give on here. i'm just right. saying like that that is a dangerous myth so, i mean throw freaking fentanyl in there and then like they'll be like oh well she just died because too many like too well many- so I did a paging Dr. Sarah to find out what these drugs did and I, and what they would do to somebody if you all combined them and her eyes just got this big and she said, oh, they gonna die. Like, that's what she said. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not even a doctor. You could have run down that list of medications right. and be like, oh, she's going to die. <laughs> so the surgery was conducted on April 3rd, 2007. Michelle spent the night in the hospital and was released on April 4th. The following morning, April 5th, Michelle was found unresponsive by Alexis, who, by the way, changed her last name from McNeil to Summers to honor her mother. So she goes by her mother's maiden name. Um, I love that. Me too. Uh, Alexis was home on break from medical school when this thing started. And then, um, so she didn't miss a whole lot of medical school until after all of this. Um, Because you'd mentioned, like, what Mm -hmm. school are you in, girl? (laughs) Um for real so alexis said quote when i walked in there she was completely sedated and out of it so alexis confronted her father who admitted he'd given michelle too much medicine quote and he said oh and your mother threw up so then i gave her more medicine 
No. So here's why I dropped the last bit of information about this snake that I was holding on to for a while. Um, so by this mm-hmm. time, Martin McNeil was the medical director of the Utah State Development Center, um, which is in American Forks, Utah. And according to their official Facebook page, it is a state-operated intermediate care facility for people with intellectual disabilities. Um, it operates okay. under the direction of the Department of Human Services and the Division of Services for People with Disabilities. So as someone who runs a large-scale state-run medical facility and has two professional degrees, he probably should have known better. And spoiler alert, he absolutely knew better. So I understand um, we're all human, right? People make mistakes, even doctors. Um, that's why there's malpractice. That's why they call it practice. Um, right. But... I can even understand, you know, you're caring for a loved one, you're a doctor, you're administering their medications, you're doing the best you can, and maybe you mess up, maybe you double dose of medication, or you, or you miss a dose of a medication, something bad happens. What I don't understand is then he comes back and says, well, I gave her too much medication, and once I realized that I gave her more, right? That's the that thing doesn't that... make sense. <laughs> That's the thing that I was just floored about. Like, yeah. Like, you have too many degrees. I am not a doctor, and I know that if somebody's mm-hmm. taking too much medicine, I, I don't give them more. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a doctor, and, I, and I've done it myself where I've been like recovering from something, and I, and I go to sleep, and I wake up, and it's, I think it's been a long time, but it hasn't. Right. And so then I, I take like, I take a dose of a medication like too soon. Well, it makes me feel sick. Right. Right? Because my body's like, no, don't do that. And so then I'm like, wait, I did something wrong. Let me backtrack, figure out what I did wrong, and then I'm going to fix it so that I don't feel like shit because I don't want to feel like shit. I already feel like crap. That's why I'm taking medicine. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So Alexis, in realizing that her father was untrustworthy, either because he was a fucking idiot or for more nefarious reasons, she decided to take over administering her mother's medications. That's fine. And at this point, Michelle was still wearing eye patches from her surgery so she couldn't see, and she told Alexis to hand her each pill, saying she wanted to, quote, feel it with her finger so if he tries to give her something else, she'd know what he was giving her. That has to be terrifying. Was that in the movie? No. I'm so shocked because that this, is... to me, equates to the part of the movie where she's like, where uh, uh, Alexis gets up and is like, oh, um, you must need more medicine. And she's like, no, no, I don't need more medicine. I don't need more medicine. Yeah. Um, <sighs> that is... Yeah. I mean, it's... Rough. That must be so scary. I cannot imagine. Over the next few days, Michelle appeared to be recovering well, like as well as expected. And Alexis was about to return to medical school and her mother stopped her one evening and said, uh, and asked her something. And so Alexis said, quote, she started to cry. She said, if anything happens to me, make sure it wasn't your dad. (gasps) Okay, I know... I don't need to say this. And I know that this doesn't make this anyone's fault. And especially if you're in that situation, you're in a bad situation. Oh, yeah. And chances are you can't leave. But, oh, my God, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're thinking, 
if I die, it's because of this person. You can get out of it. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Get yeah. out. And of course, she couldn't. She was recovering from surgery. It's not like she could be like, I'm leaving. Like, oh, God. I can't imagine how scared she was. That's so awful. So on April 11th, 2007, a week after Michelle's surgery and the day after Alexis returned to medical school, Martin returned to work as normal. Alexis called Michelle that morning and talked with her at 8.44 a.m. Michelle said she was feeling better and Alexis felt comforted by her mother's reassurances. But at 9.10 a.m., Martin called Alexis asking her to call her mother. He said he was concerned that she wasn't doing well and wasn't getting out of bed. And so alarm bells started to go off for Alexis because she was like, I literally talked to her 30 minutes ago. Right. So at 11 a.m., Martin arrived at a local safety fair, and this is the first time anybody reports having seen Martin that day, even though he said he went to work at 8 o'clock that morning. Why is my guy at a safety fair? You know, I couldn't figure that out. And then he picked up... It's a weird place to go, like, after murdering someone. Like, let me murder my wife in the morning and then go to the safety fair in the afternoon. Well, are you also ready for this? So you talk about how gross it is that he sent his daughter in to discover her mom's body. Mm -hmm. He picked her up from school at 11.35 a.m. and brought her home. So he took her out of school specifically so she could find this body. Yes, This man should have been burned at the stake, and I don't even support the death penalty. He put so many other people's hands on this to try to clear his own name. It's, it's like, it made me almost vomit. So he- You're talking about a six-year-old, a six-year-old child. He checked her- You're like, oh, I I can send her and she can be my alibi. That's disgusting. So he opened the door for her. And then said, hey, go check on your mom. And he stayed in the kitchen while she ran into the bathroom and discovered her mother lifeless slumped over the bathtub. Then Martin sprung into action and had his son, Damien, get rid of all of Michelle's medications, quote, ostensibly to keep the plastic surgery a private matter. Your mom would be embarrassed if everyone knew she'd had plastic surgery. We need to get rid of her medications. That is... Wow. So, um, in an interview with ABC News, 911 operator Heidi Johnson recalled answering Martin McNeil's call that day. So I said, hey! (laughs) But... (laughs) She did say, quote, hey, <laughs> he was yelling at me. He I was, can I can send the police out there, but I'm going to have to move some things around. <laughs> quote, he was yelling very hysterically at me. I tried to calm him down and tried to get the information from him, but he didn't want to stay on the line with me and hung up. Johnson was able to call Martin back and said quote he yelled I'm a physician I've initiated CPR and then he hung up the phone again I just want to say the fact that this man was not immediately arrested for this murder just goes to show how much we trust mediocre white men yep this man should have been arrested on the spot yep 
Because if the table had been turned, if his wife had found his body, she would have been arrested. And like, they wouldn't have even done an, uh, they wouldn't have even done an autopsy. They'd been like, well, it looks like he was dead. You did it. Bye. She would have been in interrogation at least. Well, she was a white lady. So she would have been in interrogation at least for hours. She would have oh, had yeah. access to a lawyer at some point though. But I'm just saying, this man should have been arrested on the spot. Yeah. You have you have your kids get rid of evidence? And like also their kids, like any social worker is gonna ask them a question and they're gonna spill their guts. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So um Alexis tried to call Michelle again during this time period, and Martin answers the phone and says into the receiver, or like says into the phone, quote, Your mom, she's in the tub, she's not breathing, I've called an ambulance, and then just hung up. Good talk, Dad. I mean, this is this is typical Dad stuff. So, Alexis... My dad will call me and be like, um, we're having barbecue for lunch, and then hang up, and I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> I'm like, am I supposed to come over? Was I supposed to come over? Right. I'm at work. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Have you been kidnapped? Is that some kind of sign? What, <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, and that's on talking to fathers. <laughs> so Alexis said, quote, I just started driving to the airport and I was screaming, just screaming. He killed her. That was my first instinct. Yep. Imagine. Yeah. Alexis said. It's weird because I can imagine this scenario. Not this exact scenario, right. but a similar yeah. one. Alexis Ooh. said that she wanted to count how much of her mother's medication was left to see how much had been taken. But by the time she'd That's arrived, fun. it had already been flushed. Um, quote, he said it was making him sad to look at, to see this medication. As soon as I heard that, things were just starting to add up. Everything was adding up. I'm sorry. You call 911 and you're like, this medication makes me sad. It does not spark joy. Throw it away. Right. I, I read Marie Kondo. Yeah. So, however, also, the I just want to say as an aside, my dad is not a bad person. I, I oh. like, I feel like I'm dogging on my dad, and he, I, like, I, I don't mean no. to at all. I love no. my dad. <laughs> no, that, I mean, that is how, that is especially how your dad does. You've shown me text messages for him that, that are just too. like, um, do you remember those brown shoes I had? Yeah. And that's the whole text. That's it. Okay. And you're, I'm, and you're I'm... like, what brown shoes? And then he doesn't respond. My dad texted me on Saturday morning. I hope you're watching. First play. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> he was referring to the Texas OU game, game which, uh -huh. which was one of the best games I've seen in a long time. So I'm glad I got up and watched it. It was a great game. Yes, really it was. Good game. Um, but that was his, <laughs> I hope you're watching. First play. First play. Boom. boom. That's that's it. That's the text. That's the text. You, it's like Kevin in the office. Why say many words when few words work? Like, there you go. Um. So. Um. However, so everything added up to Alexis that her dad had killed her mom. But to police, mm -hmm. they took the same equation and they added up. The whole thing was an accident. They closed the case within two months of Michelle's death, and the ME ruled that the death was natural due to cardiovascular disease. So they, oh, okay. yeah. So you had a question about like what the natural death was. They believed that she had a cardiovascular effect, like event that just kind of knocked her out, and she fell and drowned. Okay, 
that makes more sense than like that tub came out of nowhere <laughs> natural causes be crazy like I, I was like she fell in the tub and drowned and that was natural like yeah. i'm so confused yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um so alexis even like spelled it out she was 50 years old with slightly high cholesterol and high blood pressure but in general she was a healthy woman who had died under suspicious circumstances and the police had ruled it as natural alexis went on to say that the police report was only like two and a half paragraphs long and she wow, just you really can't bother the the police in utah for anything <laughs> no they're like Susan Cox Powell. Don't know where she's at. This lady, natural causes. Our work here is done. Yep. Um, Josh Powell. Josh Powell's brother jumped off a parking garage. We have no idea. Weird. Like, yeah. Well, I was playing bingo. He didn't have it on my watch. I mean, because we can't gamble. Well, We're Mormons, so they seems bingo. Legit to me. Um, so about a month before her death, Michelle had asked Alexis to help her access Martin's phone records and Alexis was able to do it. She printed out his records and found a number that he'd called a lot, a number belonging to Gypsy Jillian Willis. Okay. No offense to anyone whose name is. Stop naming your children Gypsy. But you got, you got to choose. It's like your name is Jillian and you got to choose you chose gypsy girl no no like her first of all i just want to i just want to say like that's culture appropriation for something (laughs) for the romany people and that was a slur against them like it is like that's gross stop it so um Willis told ABC News in 2013, quote, we met online. He sent a message. Aaron. Oh, God. You do the you do the online dating thing every so often and you delete it within minutes. I deleted it earlier this week, actually. Yeah. Okay. So when you (coughs) when you swipe the favorable direct favorable direction. Right. Okay. Okay. Whichever way. And did you a, notice how I had to like do it with my <laughs> finger so that I knew which way? <laughs> and a potential suitor sent you a message. Okay. If they ask you what you know about quantum physics, does that just turn you on? Like, is this? Did I miss this opportunity with Sarah? And do I need to do a do-over? You know, I really want to say no. It doesn't. But. Compared to the other things men <laughs> deem important to send to me, I'm gonna call quantum. I'm gonna put quantum physics in the in the good column. Okay, so the bar is on the ground. The bar is below the ground. <laughs> okay. Um, I sh- actively, if I could, I actively think on the daily. If I could choose my sexuality, I would date a woman. Yeah. But I can't. And I've really tried to figure out how I can. Talk to a conservative. They'll tell you. But, you know, they can never tell me when they chose to be straight. So it's really hard for me to talk to them. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. I I need to know, like, when was your straight ceremony? Like, when was the ceremony where you're like, I, Jim Bob Miller, choose straightness. 
there's no and then the thunder rolled and the lightning yeah. strikes um they, they can't tell me and so i just really don't understand how they can tell me why other people chose to be gay well um well gypsy said nope. he asked me what i knew about quantum physics there was just instant chemistry and i'm like girl did you fail all your science classes because those don't even go together okay first of all i had a guy a couple of weeks ago ask me what i knew about the stock market and then i said nothing and then he turned it sexual and i was like oh i'm out how do you i don't want to know you no, you don't i don't need to you're know how bull market well. suddenly becomes more than just a bull market or a bear market out there i've decided to be alone okay (laughs) um so so then she said he was tall he was handsome he was very well spoken um and then she went on to say that she knew he was married but that that didn't sound any alarms for her because she wasn't looking for a serious relationship at the time i just want you to listen to this noise Uh uh-huh um, okay. Um, there, I, I will give her that there is an entire section of TikTok devoted to do I really like this man or is he, is he just, just tall? tall? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, th- I mean, that's forgivable. I mean, uh, tall men are very deceiving. But um, the married thing would give me pause, it would make me ask some questions for sure. For sure. Right, absolutely. Um So like especially because she, she he went on to say that he yeah, had So he's al- not just married, he's married with like a hundred children. Right. He said that he already had the perfect life and the perfect wife. So like at no point so does she's she not one the- of these dudes on like Bumble that's like I'm in an open marriage. My wife totally knows. Like, right. Like, I'm, I was about to say, she didn't even say that he said those words or anything. So, like, I don't know. This whole thing is oogie. It is oogie. But also, it just speaks to how convincing a narcissist can be. Yeah, that's true. To put you so at ease with a situation. That you would that, not otherwise be at ease in. Yeah. gravity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And she said, so then it went on to say that although she had never met Michelle, this perfect wife, she showed up at Michelle's funeral, which Alexis noticed immediately and found odd because this complete stranger to the family had shown up and Martin had already forbidden many of Michelle's family members to attend. Like, he had already said many of Michelle's family couldn't attend, but then this random stranger shows up. This almost, in a weird way, reminds me of um, Scott Peterson. That's what I was about to say. Where he's at the vigil for his missing and he's wife, calling and, and saying he's, he's in Paris. His girlfriend saying he's in Paris on New Year's Eve. That's what I was about to like, say. It has that same like ick. Uh-huh. Like I talked about the ick factor in my yes. notes. It has that ick that I. Ugh, and like, I thought ugh. that as I wrote as these notes. As soon as you hear too. it, your entire uh-huh. body just contracts. You're just like ick. Like ugh. Alexis also commented that Martin demanded that Michelle be buried within three days after her death. Oh no, you're hiding something. Yep. 
So Rachel and Alexis, the two, two of the oldest children, volunteered to split their time caring for the younger McNeil children. But Martin said he already had other plans. He told them he'd already found a suitable nanny. And Alexis was like, well, then what's her name? And he said, oh, it's something like Jillian. And so Alexis looked him straight in the eye and said, quote, Dad, Gypsy Jillian Willis, I know that woman. I know Mom was worried you were having an affair with her and you were not to bring her in this home. Oh, shit. So within weeks, Gypsy moved in anyway. She admitted in her 2013 interview that she did move in to help with the kids, but when they had the opportunity, she really was there to sleep with him. I... Okay. I, when, I have I, I don't have words. I should stop saying that I I should stop <laughs> positing that I do have words. I don't. I don't have words. When Alexis questioned Martin about this relationship, he threatened her saying, quote, "If you fight me, I'm going to get you thrown out of medical school. I'm going to take you down." Okay, he does this in the movie too and I'm like, "Dude, who the fuck do you think you are?" Right. He told her that she had to leave the home because she wasn't nice to Gypsy. And both Rachel and Alexis were kicked out after this. They said they were both kicked out without their keys or shoes. Like, he literally kicked them out right then. It's very interesting how they seem to have made Lexi into a very composite character of, of all both of, of them. Yeah. Um, um, I like it because it, it's less characters on me. And right. It's less, like, back and forth and dialogue. But it's interesting. Um because it's weird to know that there are really more people involved yeah. that were trying to bring this man down and were having so much trouble. The fact that there were so many people is even more jarring. That, yes. That they oh. could not, that like all the police are like, oh, we don't believe any of you a million people. We only believe this man who's lying to us. Right. Oh. Um. Rachel said it in an interview, quote, he wanted to make it known that it was either Gypsy or his children, and he chose the nanny. That is... There are no circumstances in which I would choose another man over my child. No. Some guy could be like, oh, he could be the richest it could be like I'm trying to think of like a person it could be but I don't want to like put that personality onto them so I'm like he could be the richest most royal amazing actor celebrity hottest person in the world it could be John Hamm plus Harry plus Prince William plus Charles and plus Queen Elizabeth with Jeff Bezos money with Jeff Bezos money and I'd be like and he'd be like oh I just you just can't ever talk to your son again be like oh no yeah no yeah not interested I And this is a man, this isn't even a man giving up his children for a woman because she asked him to. This is a woman giving up his children, this is a man giving up his children for a woman just just because he wants to. Right. So, long after police had (sighs) closed its case on Michelle McNeil's death, her family continued to fight for further investigation. Quote, I'd try to go to the authorities, I'd go to the governor's office, Alexis said, Quote, I went to every single newspaper in Utah trying to get someone to listen. My mother was murdered. She was murdered and no one cares. I don't know if I could do this. 
I know what I went through when I went through a fraction of what they were going through. Right. Trying to get information, trying to track things down, trying to understand what was happening. And that was so hard on me. I mean, you were there, you know, that was so Uh hard on me. I can't imagine how exponentially more difficult this was on them and how they managed to do it without breaking. Because I would break. Um, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it. So in the end, Aunt Linda wrote a letter that I think went to the governor's office. I forgot to put it in my notes where it went. But that apparently was the tipping point that reopened the case. And in September of 2007, Doug Whitney and Jeff Robinson, who were investigators with the Utah County Prosecutor's Office, were assigned to reinvestigate the case. Okay. Whitney. That's good. Yes. So Doug Whitney obtained a subpoena and started digging into Martin's background as far back as college and his postgraduate career. Um, And he basically said that when he has a big case like this, like that he feels like there's something wrong he goes as far back as he can because if you have a well bet a, a a rockly built pyramid if you pull the bottom stone everything comes down yeah everything comes down oh i can yeah, yep i know and so he went back as far as he could and he soon discovered that martin's entire career was based off of two falsified transcripts from different colleges so that he could get into medical school it is amazing to me and maybe this was just a product of the times although the more that happens in our own lifetime, the more I think that it's not just a product of our time. It's amazing to me how seemingly easy it is to doctor your transcripts. Well, and especially... And I feel like if I'd known this, <laughs> I could have a... I'm like, and I wouldn't even do it to like get into med. Like, I don't want to do something that I'm not qualified to do. Right. Like, I could just get a better job, right? Like, I could make a little bit more money. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I could be like, oh, I graduated magna cum laude from UTSA. And they'd be like, oh, you didn't just regular graduate? Cool. Like, okay, we'll pay you this much instead of this much. Yeah. Well, no no one has ever cared about my magna cum laude. And my master's oh. degree didn't count for much in the, either. Right. So. Well, because you're in education. And that, <laughs> right. like, nobody gives a fuck about education. <laughs> so maybe I should falsify a whole new degree you should be like oh by the way i'm an i'm a teacher and a lawyer and you'd be like oh (laughs) sorry right um so in fact what they found out was that not only was it just like a falsified transcript he took someone else's transcript and put his name on it oh he don drapered himself yeah okay spoiler alert but that show's been out for years (laughs) right you've had Um, time he also uncovered that McNeil had been discharged from the military after briefly serving because he claimed he was schizophrenic in hearing voices and that he had fraudulently collected $3,000 a month for more than three decades from VA benefits. I have a question. A yes. question? This was during the Vietnam War. They weren't letting people out for shit. How did this, how did this bozo get to be like, oh, I'm schizophrenic. And they were like, oh, we don't need to check that. That sounds weird. Like, go. Okay, so and here's he, some money. He was just talking like that girl that TikTok I sent you last night, the daddy what? bear voice. That's just how he talked in every follow-up visit. 
this is like some Donald Trump le- Trump level bullshit. Uh-huh. But like he just didn't get that far. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to scream into a pillow, and there's no pillows around me, and the one that is next to me, the cat's sleeping on, so I can't even get it because I'll disturb her, and that's mean. <laughs> so when he was in his early twenties, he opened up a checking account and wrote fraudulent checks to furnish a house and buy jewelry, including diamond rings and watches. And he bought Aaron. How many feet do you have? Wait, height or am like on your body like that help you walk oh two okay (laughs) at any given time how many pairs of socks can you wear oh i hate socks so zero okay this man used his hot checks to buy 60 pairs of socks and dozens of pairs of shoes and i'm like dude just buy a washing machine with your hot check and wash like 10 pairs of socks you don't need 60 pairs of socks this is the problem, like, when you dive into a narcissist's brain and you try I know. to figure it out. Narcissists be crazy. And they be crazy for a reason, because they're crazy. Like, you like you can... Right, if you nothing try to makes follow sense. The, right. If you try to follow the rabbit trail to, like, what it is that drives them, you're never going to get anywhere. You're just going to drive yourself insane. And I, I know because I've been there. He also bought himself a year's supply of chocolate-covered cherries. I mean, that... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was that case in 1978 when he went to jail for 180 days right after marrying for Michelle. cherries for right. cherries <laughs> delightful um, so for that he was convicted of forgery and grand theft and sure. when he got into medical school he was on felony parole and this was the first time any of their children knew anything about their father's criminal past okay if you are a felon you can't vote You can't, there's a, you can't serve on a jury. There's so many things you can't, you can go to medical school though? I don't think so. But they didn't have the computer software at the time. So actually, because. I got a face. Because like, what the fuck? Because of a Patreon case that I am working on for the future. um, I know about this. Um promise software that was the first software that compiled all of the like police reports in the nation all at one time it was like the first searchable database so um, like um and that came out in the mid 80s early to mid 80s so he so like got the in thing the, that like they search for your fingerprints or whatever yeah like that database okay. so this okay. first one was called promise and it was incredible and i can't wait to tell you all about it but oh, um so that didn't come out until like three years after he got into medical school so i think he probably just frauded his way through by that much patreon.com slash lifetime sentence to hear about that oh right. my god um so while Rachel it's so interesting con artists like that it's so weird because like almost 99% of the shit they get away with is just sheer luck uh huh it is just sheer right place right time didn't get caught yep so while oh go ahead Oh, no, I... Okay, I thought I, mean, I'd I cut have you off, more sorry. to say, but I don't. <laughs> While Rachel and Alexis were working with their aunts, Michelle's sisters, to get the police to reopen an investigation of Michelle's death, Martin was desperately searching for another family to adopt the three youngest daughters in the family. You know, the ones who were already adopted by him. Dude. 
Um, he had arranged. He has to know that this makes him look the most guilty out of everything. Right. Right. Like he has to. This is the thing. Where's texting the group chat? They have to know that this is hurtful. He has to know that this makes him look guilty as shit. No, I, I don't think he, like, I think that he. I don't he, think they do. I really don't think they do. And it makes no sense. Um, so he arranged for the oldest of the adopted daughters, Giselle, who was 16, um, to return to Ukraine for the summer. It was supposed oh, to be. God, at least she was 16 in this. Right. In this scenario and not like a, the, the girl in this scenario was, was like a child. child. Um, yeah. But um, so it was supposed to be a two month visit, but it stretched to almost a year because he made no arrangements for her to come back. In the meantime, Martin and Gypsy stole Giselle's identity while she was gone. Willis and- assumed this new identity, amassing a fraudulent uh sorry assuming a fraudulent security number id cards and birth certificate okay so i'm gonna go back to the passport here okay um in the movie and this makes sense to me knowing what i know about identity theft and whatnot in the movie they posit that the reason that lexi had to bring back the passport is because Martin needed it as a court document, like as a as an identifying document in order to change the name. So in right. order to change the name as the parent, he needs all this identifying information. Right. And so it's like it's usually like a birth certificate, a social security card, and like a passport. Um the thing is if you don't have a birth so when you go through you can provide like two forms of ID. Uh in the form of like a birth certificate and a state ID or a birth certificate and a social security card, that kind of stuff. Or you can provide one form of ID, which is always a passport. Right. If you have an international passport, that's like your, your one form of like basic ID. Because it's already been vetted with two forms of ID before that. Yeah. And that makes sense to me as to why he asked her to bring it back to him. Yeah. So, um, they went into court and changed the birth date by 20 years, the investigator said. That's called perjury. And I was like, thank you for defining that for me. Um, also, do they not know that they are ruining this 16-year-old girl's life? They don't care. To her? They don't care. So then, This is supposed to be your child, sir. So then, Knowing ju- people in the foster care and adoption system, like, this is so fucked yeah. up. So then Gypsy went to ABC News and said this was all Martin's doing and she was basically innocent. Oh, good lord. No, shut the fuck up. Quote, when I got together with Martin, I had a lot of tax debt, probably in the range of fifty or $60,000, she explained. I knew this was breaking the law and I didn't want to do it. I said I didn't want to. He said that this is the best way to do it. It's temporary. It's not going to hurt anybody. Nobody would notice. And then she said she trusted him because he was an attorney and because he was very powerful and he was influential. So I just assumed that he knew what he was doing. He'd been successful all of his life. Yeah, he'd been successful at doing this shit, girl. You know, and I'm trying not to blame her for not knowing because I am sure the level of charm that she was getting is equal to the level of charm that other people were getting that made them believe that he was a good person. And I'm trying to give her right. Cause that space. That's how he but got to be also, known as a pillar of society and all of that. And it fucking pisses me off. Cause I also have a lot of tax debt. I have a lot of debt that is not even mine. Uh huh. And you know what I'm doing? 
paying for it. I'm paying for it. Yeah. And this shit pisses me off because it makes me so mad that other people can cheat the system and get out of it. And I, who was a victim of somebody else, cannot cheat the system and I'm paying back hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt that I don't even owe. Right. And the governor is like, can't help you. Sorry. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh, that makes me so mad. But I'm also still trying to hold space for her and be like, I know that you were under a spell of a narcissistic person that right. you you were believing what they said and it's like right. also infuriating. <laughs> um, so Gypsy assumed the identity of Jillian Giselle McNeil and Martin claimed that she was his wife and sometimes his daughter. So that oogs me out. Ew? Ew? And he trans Right. Is it like, okay, tonight, tonight you're my wife, okay? <laughs> Next week when we go to the other thing, you're going to be my daughter, okay? Just like, ew. I hate this. But she's still in that negligee with the cigarette holder? With the, yeah, with the cigarette and the big hat. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I love how you picture, like, whenever you picture her, she has a cigarette holder. Whenever I picture her, she has the big hat. <laughs> right, so she's got both. Like, why yeah. not? There's no such thing as too many accessories, Erin. No, Coco Chanel said when you leave the house, you, like, look in the mirror and take off one accessory. But she was like, no. <laughs> I have all the accessories, and that's what I need. Well, the third was a butterfly ring that went on two fingers. That was her third accessory. That's the one she Oh, left. no, she's still wearing that shit. <laughs> it was the early odds. We couldn't help ourselves. Right? <laughs> she's got glitter oh, on God. both cheeks. Oh, glitter. <laughs> she smells like cotton candy. <laughs> nap dream she yes. smells like nap dream <laughs> I, I you unlocked a memory I forgot I yeah, had yeah. do you know what gap dream smells like booty hole fruity pebbles <laughs> sure <laughs> I was on a spot at all I was a Gap Heaven girl, not a Gap Dream girl. But... I preferred Heaven, like, if other people mm-hmm. were. But then, like, so, because I was in the AP classes, and that's where rich white people go, sure. my classes were always just, like, all the cheerleaders competing to be the smelliest. Like, so I it's never... like, Gap Dream, <laughs> Gap Heaven, warm vanilla sugar, sweet pea. Brian said <laughs> all the boys smelled like Curve. So, like, yeah, at least okay. the guys Everyone. all smelled the same. <laughs> And there was that one Curve girl who thought cool water. sweet pea cool from. Water. Remember cool. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. So cool yes, she smelled I like. I remember buying my high school boyfriend cool water one year. Cool water, yep. Yeah. Oh, good time. So anyway, CK one. Oh I'll, yeah, that was the shit. <laughs> and I want to be honest, I still wear Paris Hilton like. Paris oh, Hilton for men no is shame. great. I have a, I have a perfume that I wear. I usually only wear it during the fall and winter because it's just so hot. Like in the summer, it just ends up yeah. smelling bad. Like anything you put on ends up smelling bad. But it's from, um, uh, Lacetane. Yeah. And it's one of their perfumes, and it's unknown. Like it's not even. It's really expensive, but it's not even like super fancy or whatever. But it's my favorite thing, and I wear it all the time. I love that. 
I love that. Um, so anyway, I forgot we were in the middle of a, oh like an episode. Anyways, so <laughs> Back to this gruesome, horrible thing. Sweet pea, gap dream, something happened. Yeah, gap dream. Um, anyway, so he transferred the hel- the house out of Michelle's name and into hers. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Linda found out that the real Giselle was still stuck in the Ukraine. Ukraine, it's not the Ukraine. I have to correct myself all the time. We're still stuck in okay, Ukraine. They they alternate in the movie between Ukraine and the Ukraine. And so I just kind of went with the Ukraine because that's how I remember it. But also like that's before that was when it was like still the part Soviet of the USSR, Union. right. And so like I am not trying to be offensive when I no, say that. I know. I'm so sorry if I offended anyone. Like that was not my intention. Um, right. It's just like how I remember it and I will do better. Like, <laughs> right. Um and that so Sarah had to teach me that it's called Ukraine because she has traveled there and was like mm-hmm. she loves Ukraine and um is very kind of passionate about it which is kind of fun but so it's the thing that she has to correct me about all the time because we are from the south and that yeah. means we're 40 years behind which is not an excuse totally. as an explanation yeah. no um, yeah my sister actually when she lived abroad like she was very into um she i mean once you're in europe traveling within europe is so cheap uh-huh. but her favorite place was istanbul in turkey and yeah you know and that has a another storied history like with changing of names and stuff like constantinople to istanbul now it's yeah. istanbul not constantinople no. <laughs> okay not that's not where i was going but i know but i had to what i'm off. saying is it's it, it's it's difficult to reconcile what's in your mind a place you've never been to a real place right and so like yeah anyway so <laughs> anyway um so Linda sent her daughter Jill to Ukraine to bring her back. Jill found Giselle and she was living in quote deplorable conditions. God, this baby. She this was in a one room. Child. She was in like a one room shack as it was described. It had a pull out sofa bed and it's her, her biological sister, her sister's husband and their two kids and they all share the bed. The daughter said. Um she said there was a little pan on the floor and I was like, what's this? And no, and Giselle no, said, that's our it. shower. You stand in there. And Jill said, I mean, I don't even know what movie I've ever seen anything that horrible in. Which, to be fair, that's also a little bit of American privilege showing that totally, yeah. that is maybe not in conditions quite like that, but much of the world lives in very similar conditions. And we are used to indoor plumbing and access to clean water at all times. And that is American privilege. But Much of the world lives in different conditions than we do. And, but that is, I feel. That's extreme. Extreme. Yeah. I feel like yes. that is not, even if you go, like, because I feel like there's a difference too in between. There's like American privilege. And then there's the way America sees other countries is like absolutely deplorable like every right. other country is like living in filth which is not actually true either there it, the truth is somewhere in the middle so like that type of situation for the other daughter in ukraine was 
deplorable of that country. Like, right. There are people in that country living better living lives better than, than that. She right. Was. Yes. Um, and especially. So I don't the, want to be like, oh, everyone in Ukraine lives like that because that's no, not true. Right. Right. No. Um, I'm just saying that I think a little bit of Jill's shock can be attributed to American privilege and yeah. to the idea that Giselle had been adopted out of that culture already and then was sent back and forced to live in it. Yeah. You know, in and, those conditions, rather. I mean, the end, the end game is we Americans are trash and we think yeah. everyone is, is simultaneously better and worse than us and it's a problem. Right. <laughs> um, so the once their false identity plot was discovered by authorities martin and gypsy were both arrested convicted of identity theft and other other federal charges and sentenced to serve time at separate prisons they also both pleaded guilty to state fraud charges so while michael why martin michael's not his name while martin was (laughs) incarcerated Whitney and Robinson (laughs) continued continued their investigation into Michelle's death. They succeeded in convincing the state medical examiner's office to take another look at her toxicology report. And it showed what amounted to, quote, a toxic cocktail of drugs. And so her manner of death was changed from natural to undetermined, which opened the door. Even, I just want to, like, point out that even if nothing else exists in her water, her, her water... Her lungs weren't filled with water and she wasn't found in the bathtub and she wasn't found with lividity in her legs instead of like bent over the bathtub like the like the witness says she was. She still had a lethal cocktail of medication in her, which is not natural. (laughs) Right. So this opened the door for prosecutors to pursue criminal charges. Thank God. And um While Martin was in prison, tragedy struck the McNeil family again. And I am both surprised and kind of glad the movie didn't touch on this. But on January 16th, 2010, Michelle and Martin's then 24-year-old son, Damien, died by suicide. Oh, no. He was a law student at NYU at the time. And just prior to his death, the Utah County Attorney's Office sent a letter to NYU Law School stating that, quote, investigators in the Utah County Attorney's Office deemed Damien to be very da- a very dangerous individual who possessed homicidal impulses and discussed the joys of killing, and that, quote, Damien was present in Pleasant Grove on the date of his mother's death. Okay, so I can say without any hesitation at all, the reason they didn't touch, the reason they made all of these characters into one character is so they would not have, have to, to deal with this. that. Yeah. And it's because this would have made this movie another, you know, hour and a half long. Yeah. It's yeah. just for brevity, but also, like, I, that is, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. That's so Well, horrible. and, you know, this poor boy was made to be complicit in this murder when he was murdered. Murder that he had nothing to do with. Right. And, like, this poor, like, and it's just more blood on Martin's hands. That's all I can think. And a little bit on the prosecutors for, like, sending this letter to his law school whenever things weren't all tied up yet. I get it. I get it. Because, like, if I was implicated in a murder that I didn't commit, like, even, especially if it was, um... If it was like an implication where I would never be charged, it would just sit on my head mm-hmm. forever. 
like people would know, but I would never like it would I would never be able. You to couldn't go to court. outrun I it. Nev- I could not run it. I would never be able to go to court and disprove it. Like that, that would drive me to yeah. those to those ends, and I right. get it. And that is so. Oh my god! Well, and not breaks, to mention that how how lost he must have felt whenever he knows that it's taken this long for them to treat his mother's murder like a murder as a murder so and like how long would it be to clear your name father right it was his dad oh. like there's so much there's so many layers that poor family so in july of 2012 mcneil was released from prison after serving three years for fraud you know his Why? second term no, his victory no, lap like, for fraud no no no, no. it's okay there. we like it we like it because he returned home to the home that he'd shared with Michelle and settled to re- settled in to rebuild his life, not knowing that the prosecutor was preparing to put him right back behind bars. And less than two months Thank later, God. he Finally. was back in custody on a $1 million cash bond facing murder charges and the death of his wife. Because... So, I have such a love and hate relationship with, with bail and bond because it is usually used as a way to keep people that are too poor to pay their own bail yep. in prison. And that sucks and that's terrible. But also, when they finally arrest these rich, white, fucking assholes that belong in prison, and they're like, oh, sorry, it's a million dollars cash to get your ass out of here. I delight in that. I take special yes. special happiness in, in their plight. But also, we need to reform all of that. Yes, um so because of this new toxicology report um the ilmi concluded that this combination of medicines that i mentioned earlier um fenugreen ambient valium and percocet in particular oh and lortab and lortab um, mm-hmm. could have led to sedation and heart arrhythmia causing resulting in cardiac death you um, think right you think Oh, my God. On March 24th, 2012, the Utah County Attorney's Office charged Martin with murdering Michelle, and his trial began October 17th, 2013. uh, He pleaded not guilty, claiming his wife had died due to accidental death. The... um, She accidentally took all the drugs that I prescribed for her. Right. So the... um, the plastic surgeon did testify against Martin, explaining that he'd been told explicitly that these drugs would not be given together and that he I regretted sending so. off on it, you know. Um, so the arrest was. Well, like, also, that's your signature, and that should go on your, right. on your med mail for sure. So the arrest warrant stated that earlier in McNeil's life, he had attempted to murder his mother and he'd killed his brother, Rufus Roy McNeil, who'd been found dead in a bathtub, but he had not set, stood trial for his brother's murder. What are we doing? Why are we here? What are we doing? Like, I- so after the prosecution filed um, a motion to ban coverage of the trial, the court upheld a state rule that allowed the trial to be broadcast and live streamed. It was the first one in Utah history. Um, I want to ban this person from existing. Right. 
The trial lasted a total of 22 days. We've heard of these things lasting months and months and months. His trial lasted 22 days. And the jury... Okay, but also I feel like that's too long. Right. The jury deliberated for 11 hours and on November 9th, 2013, found McNeil guilty of the first degree murder of his wife, Michelle. I feel like they were like, okay, this trial lasted 22 days. We all know he's guilty. Um, we all know we're voting guilty. We just need to sit here for a while. We so can get we, two like, meals people, if we make it so 11 hours. People think that we're actually thinking about it. Um, <laughs> what should we get for lunch, you guys? Okay, Olive Garden or um, 54th Street? What do you think? And so that's what they were voting on the whole time. Right, right. to get lunch. And then they got lunch, and they were like, okay, where should we get dinner from? Um, and they were making a team name. Uh, <laughs> what if we call ourselves the Magnificent Murder Trial? No, Heather, I told you Magnificent is out. That was last year. <laughs> oh, God. Because I can't imagine they were actually talking about whether this guy was really guilty. No. So um, he was also convicted of obstruction of justice for hindering the investigation of his wife's murder by attempting to mm -hmm. make her death a appear accidental. Mm -hmm. um, and he, on December 6th, on December 6th, 2013, it was reported that he attempted suicide while in jail. Um, and around the same time, it also came out or he was retried. I couldn't figure out how this worked out, but he was found guilty of forcible sexual abuse of his daughter, Alexis, and Gross. was sentenced to for one to 15 years for that crime. So, so was that what did it? Like the fact that now he's a sexual like criminal, right? Cause like people in jail don't like that. Is that like what did it for him? I, I have no idea. But on September 19th, 2014, he was sentenced to a minimum of 15 years to life in prison for his first degree murder conviction, plus another term of one to 15 years for his conviction of obstruction. Um, and then the judge made the murder and obstruction sentences consecutive to the sexual abuse sentence. So he would not have been eligible for parole for at least 17 years. Um, but okay, bye. At, at 60 years old on April 9th, 2017, two and a half years into his sentence, he was found lifeless on an outside yard near the prison's greenhouse. According to a report from the police department, he used a hose and a natural gas line that was in place as a heater for the greenhouse to kill himself. God. You know... <sighs> They touch on this in the movie, and I didn't say the whole quote, but um, she says, I can't believe he managed to escape punishment for this crime. And then she says the last line, which was... He's with his maker now. He's with his maker now. He can't escape that. And I... Especially with this type of with this type of crime, like, and I don't mean murder. I mean with this type of person, they always find a way to get out of it, and it's so frustrating and so heartbreaking. And you just go and go and go, and it sucks so bad. And ugh, I hate that they don't they don't have closure. Yeah. 
they don't feel like what happened to the person that killed their mother was sufficient. And it wasn't. And it never will be because he took that away from them. As right. like his final like fuck you. Yeah. <sighs> cool. Yeah. Well I'm just gonna go drink directly out of a bottle of bourbon now. Great. Also, we have been recording for two and a half hours, and it is 11.15. We need to go to bed. Um, what are you reading right now? Nothing. I feel that. You've had a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, say something funny. Say you're reading something. I'm not. <laughs> I am reading. So I have been writing. But, Yay! Um, I haven't been doing that either. Well, I... I pretend that writing is going to be my full-time job one day, so I probably should try it from time to time. Oh, I do too. I'm just not <laughs> doing it. I understand. Um, I've also been through many a swings like that. Um, but now... Oh, I, times are tough. It's just a, just a weird year right now. You got a lot going on. I've got just a lot of events going on, so um, I have been making tons and tons of soap and bath bombs, and then I had that market that went awful. Nobody showed up and got eaten by mosquitoes. <laughs> and they put me... Wait, at... nobody got eaten by mosquitoes or you got eaten no, by mosquitoes? No, I said nobody showed up and I got eaten by mosquitoes. There it is. Okay. Um, they put me out in the back 40. So, I mean, you've seen my setup. I use black tablecloths. Yeah. I have a black work shirt. I had my spread. There was not a light anywhere near me. So when the sun went down... Nobody could fucking see me because it was, it was. A, you were just in the dark. There was no moon even. There was not a single Amazing. light source. And I was I love like, that. I was like, this is a metaphor for my life, apparently. Totally. So, anyway, um, I've decided not to go back to that market this Thursday. That's okay. Yep. Um, also, all my bath bombs activated in the closet, and as I showed y'all, they are all clouds right now. Yep. So, um... But it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Um, it's gonna be okay. What I will say is... I know that they are... Deplorable. I'm just going to say this. It's the one time that I can't stick to my values. But I am super pumped that we are less than 60 days away from our Disney World trip. Oh, yay. I'm so glad for y'all little boy doesn't know it's coming we have been oh, he's gonna be so excited i know so we keep asking him little like, things you're gonna have just, to keep like, a camera on him at i all need time. you to buy a separate camera so you can keep it on him at all i mean as you know i need he's... you to live stream his <laughs> disney <laughs> he is just so animated already so yeah. i'm so excited and uh look i know how jazzed he is about mickey mouse yeah <laughs> Even though he used to call him a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait until he's old enough for me to tell him that's the first thing he ever said oh, to me. Like, called Mickey Mouse a little bitch. Oh, that child is my heart and soul. I mean, my own child is my heart and soul, but that child is like my second heart and soul. Right. I, I get child. it. I get it. Um, so. Yeah. Um, I'm just getting ready to 
I don't want to even say to have, like to hopefully have surgery on Friday. Um, right. Things have been a hot really mess tough. express. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens. Yep. Well, we will all keep you in our thoughts and send positive vibes as you Thank deal with you. all of this. Um, and for those of you who would like to, oh, I want to give a special shout out to whoever followed us on Facebook named Zanny Nanny. Yes. <laughs> We peaked. We, we peaked. But um, yes. speaking of social media, that's where I was headed. And I just laughed whenever yeah. I saw that that person had liked this. And I was like, yes. Um, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. You can find mm-hmm. us on Twitter at Lifetime Sentence. Find us on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. Find us on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Oh, did I flip them? Sorry. Um, find us on TikTok at Lifetime Sentence. Um, I brought my ring light up to my office. I'll be posting new content this week on that. Mm-hmm. Um, fa- go over and find us on Patreon. We're doing Spooktober this month, and then next month I've already got a really gruesome crime and a pretty interesting conspiracy Yay. theory that I'm researching. Excited. Um, Aaron and- has. Oh. Oh, no, I was going to say, you brought us the Winchester house last week. That I was did. so good. Yes. And what? I have more things in store. I can't wait. You don't, listeners, you don't want to miss this. I promise. Patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. You do not want to miss this. Yep. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps people find please. us. Mm-hmm. Um, we love to grow our family. We'd love to get to know more of y'all. Join us over at Discord. You can find the links there on our Facebook and on our yes. Twitter and a pinned tweet. And if you don't know how to find it, just like hit us up on Instagram and we'll send it to you. Like it's super easy. Join us. We're having the best time. I'm literally about to send the craziest picture into our yes. Discord. It's the macaroni trophy from earlier <laughs> yes. in this episode that seems like was five episodes ago, but right. I'm going to send it. Um, and hopefully next time I talk to you guys, I won't have a uterus or ovaries anymore, but we'll see. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're just trying to catch up with me. I also don't have a there you uterus go. or I'm ovaries. Just trying, you I'm bragging. just trying to be you. <laughs> trying to be a mediocre uh-huh. white man, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be one step closer. Aaron's perpetual quest. I mean, I get it. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to be a mediocre white man in today's world. <laughs> me that's who me um i mean all right well thanks for hanging out with us and until next time don't forget to eat your vegetables charge your phone bye bye